Oh, I'm so curious to see how this experiment's gonna end. It's yeah. gonna be so much fun. Everyone, everyone's loving it now, and my organizy brain likes it, but somehow it feels like AOS one. The rules were somehow somehow liberating mm. in a way. The fact it was it's simple. It's it's this, and then they clarified it a little bit. With this, I'm kind of like, hmm, this looks really good now. Let's wait a year. I don't know. I I don't, I don't want to be pessimistic. I I think I think I think some healthy pessimism is always in order with a new thing. Like, be you know the cautious optimism. You know, like be like I, I think that's just you don't want to be like, you know we we talk about like hot take culture and how it's like really easy to like hot take something and like negativity really feeds the like YouTube algorithms and Twitter like all yeah. of social media is built off of the engagement out of negativity. It's it's all built off of that. But there's also like a positivity bias where you you can set yourself up to be a sucker. You know, and you don't want to do that either. Like it, it. So it's you know, I I say, and this is to have that sort of emotional. Allow yourself to enjoy the emotional first first blush reaction. Even lean into it a little bit. But then once you have that, then you got to step back and kick in the higher brain faculties. That like, <laughs> well, let's see where this will go. Or you know, the problem is that some people just get caught in like the hot take loop, and they never they never divorce from that. They never take a breath and reassess the situation. They live. Twitter post to Twitter post, feed to feed, and they, it's just when you're in that mo mode. And this is this is a life lesson, dear checking. I see you showing up already. Um, like, just unplug sometimes, right? Step back, um, whatever that means to you. Take a step back and reevaluate. Um, I'm I'm even more than cautiously optimistic about 3.0. I haven't given much thought to like just the bulk of rules, but I'm a like rules guy. I have to wonder what that means for other people who aren't, though. You know, I'm very much a Johnny. It, you know, I look at rules and I see puzzles and I wonder how this all fits together. And I really like that. You know, I'm the person who, you know, when I get a Dungeons and Dragons, like, new book, I immediately flip to the feats and see what combos stack with, like, the feats that I were in the previous book. Like, I'm that type of person. And you have people who, like, you know, don't even look at that stuff. They're, they're jumping for, like, the narrative tidbits. And, you know, like, a lot of people's yeah. brains consume different stuff. Um, I don't think people who seek to consume rules a bunch are the majority, though. So, like... I really want to get my hands on those stats. I really do, because this has been a long-time discussion. People say, oh, you know, our... because you have competitive people, and then you have rules people, and that, that's not a complete overlap, right? Right. Yeah. And then you have a sort of a, you know, a gradient of story slash roleplay oriented people, which is kind of the narrative part. But there's a big gradient. And I don't know, I, I would really love, the, I don't know if there's if they have any information on this, GW or, or, or anyone, but I would really love to see what the numbers are because the, I would like to put the, the discussion to rest because people seem to say, well, but that's all we hear out in the internet. That's true, but maybe, you know, maybe, maybe the, the silent majority isn't talking. Right. We have no clue. It's it's so much easier to have a conversation about rules than it is about narrative. Like, it's so much easier to be that rule is wrong than, like, this story arc is X, Y, Z. Like, it's so much... Like, I, I, went, I was an English lit major. You know, the, the first 200-level course you're supposed to take is something called... At my university, it was something called analyzing texts. Okay? What is a text? Everything's a text. Like, that's... That's the first thing our my teacher said is like, well, what is a text? A film can be a text. A script is obviously a text. Like, rules are text. Like, what's a text? Everything's a text. So analyzing text, 
learning to do a critical read through of things is a skill you are not born with, especially with narrative. Rules are surface level. You can look at a rule and go, but, I know where to but, put this. Go ahead. But li life, life is storytelling. Like this is, is why storytelling is so important to marketing. Like even though you're, you're just trying to make a buck and sell a product, like, uh, yeah. You know, there, there's still well, branding is storytelling side. Well, yeah, look at look at the rhetoric employed, and and this isn't about like good bad politics, grr. But look at the rhetoric, you know, often used by like someone who's trying to like be elected or someone who's trying to be public. They tell stories. They don't tell you numbers. The only time yeah. they really tell you numbers is when it serves the narrative. Most people have some belief or narrative they're pushing. Like if you know the narrative is Coke, Coke makes you happy right like that's the thing and so they're gonna like show people happy with the can of coke and they're gonna uh and coke feel free to send me money for now uh, accidentally advertising your product um like no like it, you know they're gonna say coke makes you happy and they're gonna show you a bunch of people being happy and then like if there's a statistic that might serve that that they can fit in there without like starting to feel like they're being too statsy they'll throw that in there too like maybe it's on a screen behind them coke happiness and it's just a little infographic like very I, simplified statistics yeah very su often simplified statistics usually um misleading which is what we we tend to do with numbers is because we find numbers that conform to our narrative first and foremost like we don't seek numbers out in a completely divorced from anything they're not you know these not platonic numbers like just the what is the essence of the numbers of the thing and it, they help us inform our narrative but usually they start from some sort of thing that they're just like, like right now we're proposing like, well, I'm curious how many people identify as narrative, as rules people, as, you know, so on and so forth. Well, to even ask that study, well, what type of study are we going to do? You know, is this going to be a poll? You know, we're going to poll people like, okay, if we poll my audience versus we poll like Vince, Ventur Vince Vel Venturella's audience, I bet you'll get a, a different swing, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 totally totally worth thinking about. I posit simply that it's easier to talk about rules, so rules tend to dominate the conversation. And I, well, and and I would so I would agree with that in the same way that I would agree that um, this is where tournaments generally they they provide. And Nuno and I have had this conversation a number of times. Like, take uh, Frontline Gaming's ITC and like the the Best Coast Pairings app and stuff like that. Like, it's it's an easy universal language, and I don't feel narrative play has a good universal language and that that's a little bit what we're trying to make with animosity and with uh the narrative event organizer network uh but we aren't there yet well but I, yeah like it, it's it's very easy to discuss just straight up 2000 point lists run them into each other mm -hmm. well and and my 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 pitch to that is clear concise instructions the match play in the narrative we have modular stuff, which is really good now. It didn't used to be this modular and slot in as as it, as it was in the past. Now it's better, but you don't have a sheet of... There needs to be an organizer, there needs to be a GM. This is how you put the pieces together. If you add that page, it could make an entire difference. Also, Warhammer community, framing it in the right way, do this for like six months to a year, can make all the difference. Well, I think, I I mean, think. I, that's exactly it. I think you've got to raise the water level on people's perception of how this stuff is. I mean, that's... that's and we have evidence. There's so many amazing, huge narrative events from all the Neos out there for the past five years, and it doesn't break the membrane. 
You see what I mean? But the evidence is there. We have all the evidence. Yeah. They've been doing this for ages. Yeah. Before I even got involved with yeah. narrative play in AOS. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. We, we didn't mean to cut you off there. No, man. no. I just wanted to say real quick, good evening from Texas, says Soren, and good evening from somewhere the Midwest, uh, where I'm sitting. Thank you so much for that Tier 3 sub. 22 years of support. Thank you so much for doing that. Chat gang's in the house. Uh, I'm, of course, the magical Mr. Mephisto, the most dangerous man in Age of Sigmar. Your loquacious lich, joined tonight by Nuno and Alex of Animosity Campaign. Just a, a fraction of that great team y'all have going on. How are you doing tonight, gentlemen? I'm hanging in there. Hanging in there. <laughs> Appreciate you asking. We're, we're, we're in the middle. We're in week three of moving. So, like, you can see there's nothing in my apartment behind me because... Uh, th things have been migrating a bit at a time down three flights of stairs. So, but I've noticed but very shout importantly, out to your new house. Yeah, yeah. Shout, out, shout out to the new house. Uh, very importantly, though, uh, you you do have hobby unpacked, so like you're you're good. <laughs> like... well, so, so well, yes, but actually no, because like th this is, uh, I have my setup that I would bring to the the local Warhammer store when. Uh, uh, they they just fully reopened uh, like last week, but uh, in the before times. So like, I literally have what I have left here at the apartment because the we still have internet at the apartment. We don't have it at the house yet. So yeah, right now I have literally just my tools and what I'm working on. The the rest of my horde of shame is twenty minutes away. <laughs> All right, that's uh you know that's I mean you, you just got to respect the hustle. Yeah. <laughs> um, so tonight, uh, obviously, just just everyone in in, in chat knows uh, we will be talking about Animosity uh, Three, which is uh, the third installment of specifically Animosity. But we we were talking kind of off the show about sort of the lineage of this event. So we're going to go into that again. This will be the second time I've personally talked to, to uh, Alex about Animosity, and the first time I've talked to you, uh, uh, Nuno, about this. So I'm looking forward to that. But because I'm, I got to be me. We started talking about, like, narrative just kind of in the esoterica. I would like to talk about that a little bit more this time than, than just, like, hey, here's all animosity all the time, like, like we did last time, if, if y'all don't mind. Uh, for, just to kind of give you a digital soapbox to talk about narrative, if that's all right. Yeah, so just to jump in there, uh, Nuno also runs the uh, wearetheneon.com uh, website, which stands for We Are the Narrative Event Organizer Network. Um, so, yeah, he's the perfect guy to talk to about that. So I am merely a custodian. <laughs> I, I I am I'm holding the torch for the moment. He is very uh, humble. In a, uh, the groundwork is was already all there, and and you know you probably know the figures. All these narrative event organizers that have been literally giving everyone an example for these for, all these years. Uh, uh, holy holy uh, holy wars! Uh, Steve comes to to mind immediately. My first encounter oh. with this was seeing the neo next to his name. I'm like, what the hell is that? <laughs> and then, like, oh, this is what that is. Like, go to Holy uh, Havoc, which I've been to, and it's just like, like, my mind was blown. I, I, I have to say, being exposed to, like, a tournament like Steve's shifted my perspective on the hobby. It really did, because I came in from a Magic the Gathering, like, grinder mentality. And, like, well, we'll finish your thought. I'm sorry, I cut you off there. And People know. No, I think... I think the what, what is what is impressive is that they've been all, all the way from I believe 2016 I believe Steve uh, Steve Herner at the Holy Wars Holy Havoc he was already doing this in Warhammer Frenzy Battles 
that's what that's how they played in the club, and that's what he wanted to bring to the to the age of Sigmar, and he definitely succeeded. Mm-hmm. And other people like jumped in as well. I mean, you saw the amazing work that the folks at the from Realms at War do. You know, Mitzi, uh, Jimbo, uh, Ming, and Steve Foote—they're amazing. Uh, you know, Aaron Bostian and Bill Costello it, running either at uh, at the, um, the Nova Open Grand Narrative with these huge boats. If you've ever seen any pictures, um, <laughs> Bill Costello now is running uh, Oasis of Flame at the LVO. So this is kind of everywhere. Yeah, you, you just have to kind of go there and find it. The narrative you need to kind of make an investment to go there to these bigger events, but they exist. Well, we I, have loads of evidence. We have loads of pictures. So, so not not only that they they exist in that form, but you don't need you don't need a, a big event with lots of flashy tables to play narrative. So, we we were talking about uh, hot take culture at the top. Uh, Meth, can, can I can I give my my hot take on air? Oh, by by all a... means, by all means, uh, like uh, all right. Let, let uh, me, I just uh, I got to preface it. Uh, my guess hot takes may not necessarily be my hot takes, but. Uh, but uh, but I will platform Your on my this guess. show. Do not reflect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, get it out there. I hope right, the right. spicier the better. Let's go. All right. So, uh, in in my humble opinion, uh, narrative narrative play is more competitive than match play, and I would add that narrative is the default way to play Games Workshop products, not match play. Whoo! See, I agree. I will die on that hill. See, that's. That is, I mean, that's a line in the sand right there. Um, and I'm I, not. I, I, I mean, it expl- it explains the wishy-washiness of the rules. I, well, I, that's I will sure. call. I will call in an artillery strike on my own position. <laughs> <laughs> is how I will die on that hill. Or like, or or crack the uh, uh, the the warp stone and, and overcharge <laughs> it. Like, yeah. Um, yeah uh, so, uh, if I may, just kind of probe this a little bit, a little bit of pushback, a yeah. little bit of agreement. Um, so like. You know, we look about, like, I, I've talked about recently that, like, the highest rung on my, like, nerd ladder is RPGs, like, and I even kind of led with an example of when I get an RPG book, even though I think, you know, I, I was running the best damn Soulbound show for, I think, like, 16, 16 sessions live for everyone to see, you can see my style of GMing, which is the rules are more actual guidelines than rules, and pretty straightforward trying to, like, use the rules to facilitate, uh, essentially, conflict, but then trying to, like, just really showcase character and story is really what I... But I kind of, like, feel like I change gears depending on what I'm playing. Like, I, I as a RPG gamer, I'm very much, I think, an R-O-L-E player as opposed to an R-O-L-L player. But as I was starting to get into, with Magic the Gathering, tournament play especially, like, there's a prize. I show up, I want that prize. I want the... I don't even want the prize. I want the validation. Like, I don't... The prize is, like, just... The, the the crystallized form of my validation to say, see, look at this. And so I go I go into a little bit of a different gear. I wonder, do other people have as, like, pronounced a shift? Are more people, like, more, you know, sort of, like, agrarian or, or like, like, you know, uh, diverse or more of a spectrum in how, they, in how they do this? Like, what, when you say narrative play is the best or is the default of Warhammer, can you elaborate and maybe like contextualize that? Because we do line up to play a game where somebody wins and the current landscape is you can win a prize that like says, Hey, see, look at how good you warhammered. Like, how do we measure how good you narrative did? Right. <laughs> um, 
I mean, I, I think you, you measure that by uh, the, the war stories you remember and tell afterward, because we had an old... Uh, I, I introduced an old uh, animosity player to Age of Sigmar. I ran a demo, demo game for him when I visited him in uh, Boston. And uh, he he started ranting to the, the Games Workshop store manager about something that had happened in a campaign like almost 10 years ago, and like he was still furious about it. Like, do, do you... When you're ten years removed from a tournament, like do you care really that much? Like do you really remember it? Like it, it's 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 like I said at the top, you know, stories stories are part of the, the human condition. It's it's yeah. stories are the important bit. Yeah. And to me, where where you ranked on your your best coast pairings or whatever in an ITC, you know, cool story, bro. Well, when you named your model, it hurts for longer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you, let's say you're in the mission to conquer the, I don't know, the Whatchamacallit Tower of something. Yeah. You will remember that more I'm, than... I'm writing that down in the notes, the Whatchamacallit Tower of something. There you go. It's official yeah. now. Yeah. It, well, like... You will remember that more because, because I think there's a bigger buildup, right? You're not just fighting another game. There's like, you know, ancillary objectives and things that maybe there's a campaign around it and then you know even even the defeat is is branded more into your brain interesting so it's for everyone of course so so uh caleb kane here in chat says something really interesting says i once heard you play narratively you game competitively not that that adds mm -hmm. anything but it is worth like and i i guess from for my can point, do that it's compatible yeah for for my my main take is that there's sort of like multiple spheres of Warhammer that kind of make up Warhammer. Like it's it's more of a spectrum. It's not necessarily a linear spectrum. It's more like overlapping spheres of interest, right? And I think every, I don't think there's any one person that is fully one thing or another. Even the purely competitive player, if they're in Age of Sigmar, something got them here, and I would posit it is some narrative element. It's either their friends or it's a narrative element. Because if you're purely concerned about competitive there is better competitive games out there to measure how good of a competitor you are. Even mm. within the context oh. of like war gaming and tabletop gaming and so on and so forth. There's a lot of venues to sort of test your metal. I don't think you come here for like the low hanging fruit because it's, you know, it's easy to like, you know, pub stomp loser Warhammer players who don't know how to play the game. Like I, I think I mean you'd, uh, you'd go to any I, store I, and there's always a someone who's gonna pub stomp you and turn go on, go on, sorry. I I want I want to I, I, I was gonna say I, I think that's exactly why a lot of people play Warhammer is because it's not a good competitive game. But if you <laughs> if you can break it then you know when, when little Jimmy comes into the, the friendly local game store and he's just excited to, to push his models around you crush him off the table and you can feel good about that. Mm. You know, I I think Warhammer attracts a lot of people like that who aren't. They don't. They don't really want to compete because, at least speaking from personal experience, the moment it looks like they're going to lose the game, not not that they have lost, just you know, they're they're maybe they're down on points on like turn three or something, and then they're whinging about how their their book is broken and Games Workshop doesn't love Daughters of Cain and it's just been so. Uh, mm. Story. Well, I, I mean, the, the, there's um. I think there's some truth to that. Everyone knows the stereotype of the that, of the that guy, like the archetypal that guy, and that you know, not necessarily male female thing, just a the that guy colloquially, yeah. right? Um, like there there's a type of person like that. I don't think that's the majority of Warhammer players by any stretch, though. Again, like if you're in it for just com competing, 
there's other stuff to compete in to test your metal to see how good of a competitor you are. If you're in it for crushing noobs, <laughs> I mean, we've that's well, it. there's that and everything. <laughs> like, there, there's, can I go ahead? So, if you want to test your metal and see how good a competitor you are, come play animosity campaigns. Can you give us the quote take. again? What's the wait, wait, quote wait. again? Oh, from, um, yeah, I once heard you play narratively. Name? Yeah, uh, so Caleb said, I once heard you play narratively, you game competitively. So that yeah. was the quote. And, I mean, I, I think that's a... Are you, you need to ruminate on that a moment, Nuno? Um, uh, I, 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 I kind of agree. To be honest, I think if you have a, a campaign or an event or whatever... That has narrative ancillary objectives, or, or I can give you an even better idea. It's all it's all matched play uh, battle plans, but the table actually has the objectives where the objectives are. There's a temple, there's a portal, whatever. Oh, right? okay, I see what you're saying. And and you're playing all in the same realm, so all the tables are themed to that. That to me is narrative enough. Yes, I'll be stomped by someone who can play it better. The experience it gives me. At least is the reason why I go to the game. Yeah, I go to experience the. You know, I'm pushing my models around. I'm a general, doing stuff in this place. You know, is to live in the world of the Age of Sigmar. Yeah, that that's at least my um, my interest in the game. But of course, as we know, different demographics have different interests right. in the game. Right. But I think they can overlap, and this would be a way that it would overlap for me. Like with no rules, huh? All just by how you put the terrain and which special rules you decide to include in the event. Yeah. So, so something that was a a real learning moment for me was the uh, the first uh, campaign I ran for my local games workshop after they opened, uh, and it was the last day of the campaign, and we were playing Firestorm, the the uh, uh, Firestorm supplement the Games Workshop came out with a few years back, and uh, one of the things you can do is uh, you can get uh, what's called a Scepter of Flame, but you have to. You have to win battles in like a specific number of territories in a specific order before you can unlock this artifact. And like we had this one player who, when it, on on a sliding scale of that guyness, like he was pre, he he is pretty far along being that guy. But it became <laughs> like very the, the important. that guy continuum. Like we're all we all yeah. start out somewhere and we just become more and more that guy. As yeah um. yeah. Uh, so he he he's not the most that guy I've played against locally, but he he's he's up there. But it became very important to him. Like he's I want that scepter of flame, and like this is you know it's this this wasn't you know a ranking in a tournament it was like this is a a magical imaginary magical artifact like i i get no prize there's nothing but i want that scepter of flame yeah and like he he blitzed out several games on the last day of the campaign in just this last ditch effort to get a a scepter of flame for his army that's fantastic. uh and, and if, you in, make, in, if you make in the last yeah. game of the event he did manage he he pulled it out and unlocked his artifact well, and i'm like you know that this is a, a really competitive person who became very motivated by a completely narrative objective yeah. all you need is the narrative objectives if you make the incentive narrative thing instead of just being that you know self-contained game will scratch that competitive itch yeah. it just shifts it from just the the self-contained game and the all the absolute detail crunchiness of the rules, you can still make use of them to get to that objective, but it stops being, oh, my ranking in the ITC to, I'm going to get that artifact. 
and I'm going to destroy all of you. <laughs> so, uh, while you're while you're talking here, I'm reminded of a conversation I had with Tom Lyons from from Warhammer Weekly. Um, like he, it was about painting, and he said by including paint in the paint score, you force me, a gamer, like you know, to use our analogy earlier on, right? Like you force me to have to become good at painting if I want to win. And I, I think that narrative works mm-hmm. similar and actually more easily. In, it, because like we were t- talking about at the, at the top of the thing, you're just giving people a reason to play within that that framework of the game that already exists. Giving people a reason is a powerful thing. I'm kind of through devoca- doing a devil's advocate thing here. I, I, I'm a freaking writer. Like I, um, <laughs> I've... I've made money writing stories, gosh darn it. Like, I, I can call myself that, like, even if I, I don't consider yeah. myself good. <laughs> but I, I'm a writer. I went for English Lit. Like, I, I think stories mean something on, on every level. I think narrative is perhaps the most yeah. important aspect of the human condition. Like, we've been essentially telling each other stories since the, the dawn of mankind with cave paintings. Like, they analyze these, and they're like, wait, are these, like... You know, are these allegories? Are these things? And it's like they equate to like basically primordial man like dick pics and just like jokes with each other is what most of them. <laughs> that's like... that. I also think that's true. Yes, it's not a, a religious significance. No, it it's probably the dick pic or something. Yeah, no, I they, agree. No, they no, they've done studies. There, there's some. Uh, I, I, there's an anth- anthropological uh, discovery relatively recently probably for me that's probably about the last 10 years where like they were they were looking at these like cave paintings and they wondered why they got higher and higher and like they they were able to like sort of put together like the why and it was really like the the these you know sort of almost pre-language humans were just trying to draw the picture the highest up on the cave wall that's it (laughs) they had this game of just trying to like draw the picture higher and, you know, you think about, like, now even me now telling you that, the, the audience, the, the, the sort of, like, proverbial you, like, telling everybody that. I have constructed a narrative to implant that factoid in your mind. I was funny, yeah. I was funny and flippant early by mentioning dick pics because ha-ha-ha humor. And then, like, now you have this, like, little factoid. And that's you, you have to hold that. That rattles around in your brain forever. Somewhere out there, <laughs> some, cave, some cave humans, uh, you know, homo sapien sapien, uh, went and drew just a literal dick measuring contest in a cave. That's that's they did that. That goes back as far as humanity. <laughs> like and and that's just telling each other in their little tribal communities like this silly story, this joke, right? Like that was it. There 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 wasn't a huge impactful cultural deification, nothing like that. It was just this simple exchange of like this 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 narrative with each other and just trying to one up each. And I think giving you know. There was no trophy. It was just the bragging rights of those those individuals at that time, just trying to like see who could get the highest up the cave wall with their drawing of like a horse. Probably was there was a ladder involved. There was engineering, yeah. and you know they they came home and bragged to their parents and their friends. Yeah. So if if I could step back to something you you said a moment ago, yeah, yeah. if I may, if yeah. you're you're finished with your your thoughts. Yeah, I just I, I love to pull up that piece of trivia. So I've done it now. You can go on. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, which you you said uh, something to the effect of like. Uh, uh, giving people a reason is powerful. And like that, that is, I think that's one of the core elements of what we try to do with animosity campaigns is that, so to, to, to further explore this dichotomy between 
supposed dichotomy between uh, competitive and narrative. I, I love that. Narrative. I love that you clarified that because that's the greatest. I think that's the big misnomer is that narrative and competitive are distinct or separate, or that hobby is separate. I think that there's all this, like, yeah. this intermarriage between all of those elements. That's what makes our game great. Is all of that stuff yeah. kind of comes together. There's, there's very intense levels of competitiveness in the specifically hobby part of the hobby <laughs> on painting. Very, very competitiveness. Yeah. And we all but, feel to some degree inadequate or bad or something about, oh, I wish I could paint as well. Yeah. You know, it affects us, right? Yeah. yeah. So, and what? So, yeah, you can even say that's already breaking the match play mindset. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, but what, what I was going to go on to say is like that that's very much what we have attempted to do with animosity campaigns is rather than a tournament where like you go there and you're just trying to see like where you can end up on the ladder at the end of the event. Um, you know, you play five ga five games and you see, you know, what your win-loss draw is. Um, with Animosity, we try to place you in... It, it. I don't want to say there isn't room to, to tell, to make up your own story and write yourself into it, because there absolutely is. That's hugely important to us. But at the same time, we're, we're saying, you know, we... This is this war here and now. This is what's important. This is what you're doing. And with our, our coalition figurehead model, where... Uh, we have six player teams we call coalitions, uh, and each coalition is led by a figurehead non-player character. Like the idea is, you know, here here's who you're fighting for, and here's who you're fighting alongside. And and the figurehead and th th this grounds you here and now, and this is what you're trying to do. And here's your stakes, and here's your like your team. Yeah, very important. And stuff. and and lo lo losing is very much a risk. You know, we we want that to exist. There there will be winners and losers. So so when you say figurehead, this is like an NPC, like a DMPC, yeah. effectively, like a, to use yes. RPG vernacular. Um, yeah. You know, like you're you're fighting for Blanche in your Pokemon Go. Like you you care that Blanche <laughs> wins, or yeah, I, I think yeah. did I just show what what team I am in Pokemon Go with the only character's name I remember. <laughs> uh, so so like this time around, if you're fighting for the uh, the Idralac, which we call the uh, the Satrapy of Valor, you're also fighting for. Uh, their satrap, uh, Atressa Redhand, who uh, uh, is kind of Furiosa from Fury Road, but uh, just a little bit metal. No, I like. Yeah, but well, it's it, it's Warhammer. You have to have you have to have some metal in there. Well, I mean, yeah, but there's there's a love story as well in there. No, no, yeah. let nobody tell you that Warhammer doesn't doesn't have enough love stories. <laughs> That that's true. Um, that there there is spurned love in there between uh, Atressa and another uh, another figurehead. So, <laughs> so I just kind of want to go back to some stuff that's been kicking around in here in here chat. Uh, <laughs> Caleb once again said Sir Baldifax shows up to every game, be it narrative or not, which I assume is like the their IC. They're 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 yeah, it is. I I I we were I was writing about Sir Baldifax back in Animosity One in 2019. So yeah, I recognize the name. Right. Um, you either die a noob or live long enough to become that guy. <laughs> That's the continuum, right? Um, <laughs> that really is. Uh, I, so, Caleb says, the last two animosity campaigns, I think my sole goal was to type, I, it is I, Sir Baldifax, <laughs> uh, Flax, as often as I can. And, uh, I mean, look at the stakes. And just to kind of expound on that and kind of wrap it back into the premise here and uh Linares, unbelievable thank you so much for the follow there um to kind of like wrap it back up into this um like i tend to like from my my personal stance like i tend to need some stakes beyond just the like you know i i was 
advocating for devils a little bit like perhaps i like age of sigmar because it does bring all the voices in my head together the narrative guy the competitive guy like the the person who used to have more art classes than real classes in his day at high school like all that's all hanging out together here um but like if i go to an event that is purely non-narrative like purely match play competitive and like you know even the hobby scores are pretty soft like pretty light you know they're not very weighted or they're completely separate i'll still develop like a narrative for myself while i'm there first off i show up in a literal fucking persona you know i'm the sort of pseudo heel you know friendly guy but like when people start cheering for my 12 inch charges i tell them to knock that shit off and like you know you don't you don't get excited for me like you get mad like i shouldn't have made that like get you know I, i still get into this persona because what you were saying, you know, that, like, the need to play the game and, like, connect with it and be in it, I need that. I, even when I play Magic the Gathering, I play black decks, beca- a lot of black decks, because I fancy myself a necromancer, and so I imagine that I'm some necromancer. Come to the sitting, team, yeah. Yeah, like, sitting at the table there, you know, raising the dead and you know, having skeletons do my bidding. Like, I'm the type of person that if I got magic in reality, I would, like, I wouldn't even move my mouth to eat my food. Like, I would use mage hand to move my jaw to chew my cereal in the morning. <laughs> like, that, like, t- like I'm obs- utterly obsessed with, like, stories and stuff like that. Sure. So I can't help but infuse that into the game. And I think that you reward yourself by doing a little bit. Name a model something. It can be cheeky. You can name it after, like, say, like, you have a rival in the tournament scene. You don't even need to come up with like some fluffy narrative name. Name it after a person, and see what how that starts to like alter your experience. All at the, the skeleton puns. Use all the skeleton pun names possible. I right. still have to do that. Like I think there was someone. Was it? Some. Was it Bruce? No, it wasn't Bruce Stillman. Someone called Stillman that worked at Games Workshop. That apparently had a, he had a number of rules, and one was name all your models. Every time a single one dies, it's that much funnier. <laughs> well, as a name uh, and you're gonna feel yeah. sorry or laugh yeah or both well we've talked about x because x gonna give it to you see how he's this, yeah. pop, this oh, is the, nice give, this is the x gonna give it to you posture well um <laughs> i had joel on we were talking about anvil of apotheosis and he he basically made x as an anvil of apotheosis busted character because x was gonna have a personal story of progress where he's like he he's the only Mortech who has go, gone up the food chain because you can only get demoted in Ossiarch Bone Reaper's lore. You can't get promoted. Like you only eventually become the hoof of a Cavalos Death Rider's like murder pony. Uh. You never go up. It's just the most deliciously cartoonishly evil thing ever, and I I love it. And so I'm like, that, well, what if there's? Go ahead. At the official X model. Yeah, this is this is the the model that inspired the 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 X narrative. I was doing some touch up work. Oh, I see. Trying to get some uh, trying to get some highlights on him. So I'm not very good. Will, will it become X when you come to an event? That's what I'm asking. Yeah, this is X. This is when this Mortec guard dies. That is X that has died. Like I, it, it's the posture. I had like the lean forward. Like I, I, the way I modeled it, I gave him two skulls on his base instead of just one, um, for the texture base. Um. <laughs> Do you, do you know that there's a platform for all the narrative players to upload their characters' backstories and interact with each other and use as cameos in their games? Oh, is there? What is that platform? Called The Great Weave. <laughs> Keegan West manages it. And it, he runs it literally as a game server where you play, you make your character, run your games. You can post up there what happened in the game or put like story hooks. 
and other people can pick it up or grab your characters to use as cameos and vice versa. So my, my dream is to kind of like visit all these like settings of narrative events uh-huh. in like a soulbound adventure that just hops all over. Yeah, and if if I could uh, hijack your show for just a moment. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so uh, this is, Keegan this West. This is your show tonight, not mine. Aw, thanks. Um, so Keegan West is a uh, an animosity uh, alumni from. Uh, he he jumped in in 2019 and he's in Thailand. So he he actually is what made us a worldwide narrative event because uh, like Steve Foot did get on board after, but uh, he he was the the first international person. So I, I I've always appreciated him for that. Um, because we we did have events across the U.S. before that who had signed up, but he he was the first uh, out of the states. Uh, so regarding uh, your character X, because we talked about him a little bit, uh, back in uh, the I, last time you I, had me on your show, I was supposed to join Animosity this year, and I I unfortunately won't. It was going to be about X. Now keep him in mind when you're writing, you write with a premise in mind. X's only yeah. premise is that he is going to give it to you at some <laughs> indeterminate time. Uh, an individual known as X will give it, in fact, give it to somebody. At some I... point. <laughs> like, so, like that's the whole premise of X, and that he like. So, get, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Go ahead. Uh, and you I'm, know, I'm and then he gets leveled this. up, but he now has an official war scroll because of Anvil of Apotheosis. Like, if if not to self honk a little bit, but if anyone wants to go back and see the X war scroll, it's really funny. Um, mm. Something so, like forty well, mortal wounds off the charge. You know, nothing big, no big deal. <laughs> so is X eventually going to give just the food supplies to the Epicurean. We don't know. We don't know what he is going to. Get, but at at a point in time, uh, like as as like a timeline, like you know, as like the timeline on a long enough timeline, uh, the chance of X giving it an unspecified thing to some individual becomes one hundred percent. So. <laughs> So can he can he deliver multiple its? I believe so. And I think it there's is multiple iterations of the things he can deliver. Yes, yes. But he does deliver. Yes, right. So, so I so I need to this, to uh, we have tell yeah, tell, the, tell about the restaurants. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> mm, uh, we brought on two new writers since last year, which is uh, Leela and uh, uh, Beaveld. Uh, his real name's Nick, but he's been Beaveld to me for ten years, so he's Beaveld. Um. So we brought them on the writing writing team, and uh, they uh, they play off each other really well. And they they decided that they wanted in character role play channels. Uh, so in in Animosity Three, uh, the the center of the setting is a city we call Iskarion, and uh, it, it's uh, it's an elf capital. But the 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 Iskarneth are not Lumineth; they're uh, pre Lumineth sort of uh, a, a splinter culture. Uh, so they they don't play by all all the same rules as normal Lumineth would. And uh, so our, our writers, Leela and Beveld, they decided, like, we, we want to each open a, a rival uh, food establishment across the street from each other. So Leela's is Five Guys, Nurgle, and Flies, which is run by uh, five... Ex- they, we, we, don't, we don't really know if they actually are Blight Kings, but they're, they're very unhygienic uh, fat men. Uh, and... Uh, Across the street is the Epicurean, which is run by a allegedly retired Bone Reaper who is using all the uh, souls uh, in, in his uh, amalgamation personality to uh, cook all kinds of different soul food. I love it. And they, and they, they we, we have these two dueling restaurants. So if you go on our Discord, there there's two uh, two char- in-character roleplay channels called the Epicurean and Five Guys. 
That's fantastic. So like, I, the, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, and, and then like the, the interesting thing is to see like, so which player characters end up eating at which restaurant and interacting with each other. Well, so they, it's just sort of tongue, tongue in cheek fun, but it's, it's interesting. Well, and, and I think that that's, some people have this perception that narrative must be this highfalutin, like highbrow, difficult thing that you must be an excellent writer. You have to have majored at English lit. You have to have been writing your whole life. And like, that's simply not true. You know, that's why I like to use X as an example. I was making the model. I was just putting it together and I'm like, huh, like it looks like this guy going to give it to you. Like X, you know, that rapper, uh, rest in peace, DMX, yeah. who's going to give it to you. And then, like, this whole silly sub-narrative from there, just, this that only exists for me, really. You know, that on the table at some point, X going to give it to you. So, like, I think it was at, um, it was at a Paca, Wapaca, the last Wapaca, um, uh, my Mortec guard wiped out a unit at Night Hunt, and I'm like, the last wound was for X, obviously, because X gave it to them. Like, it just... <laughs> <laughs> like I looked down to make sure he was still in the block. Yep, he's there. Okay, so X did the last one. Like you know, it's just that silly extra thing for yourself. Again, naming you know, like if you've got a rival or like a friend, like naming a model after a friend, it it just goes a long way into like just giving you stakes, giving you investment. That's what narrative is about for me. Yeah. I, and Path to Glory was written with people like you in mind. I mean, like like me as well. Is you have your own narrative and you can take it everywhere you want. And if interfere with your games if the other person is a match play player, it's perfect. So they've I, I, they've taken the Warcry model and it's perfect. Well, well, I I don't know if you're gonna hard sell me on on Path to Glory here. Let's one step at a time, oh, no. here, guys. <laughs> uh. Um. No, but but Path to Glory is a great way to start the new edition of Age of Sigmar uh, with animosity campaigns. So, uh, do you have any like sort of like? Uh, h hanging on thoughts before I kind of go on to my like sort of next question and and uh... yeah, so that there was uh, something from chat uh, which was uh, I'm just gonna pronounce it kicker K7 uh, yeah, yeah kicker yep that's kicker uh, so uh, I want to say is that Travis it I'm not sure Tra anyway that is Travis yeah yeah that is Travis I thought so all right um so he he says that he uh, let's see. It's Salandek or Altai for me, uh, for, for who he's going to fight for. And I just say, why not both? Ooh. Ooh. So you're already suggesting some treachery, some double dealing in, 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 in animosity. And that. I, oh. I, I don't know if it'll be double dealing, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it shakes out. We, we have plans. <laughs> Uh, so uh, so so continue yeah yeah so I just kind of want to like I I think we got people excited we've 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 either sold you on this point or not on whether why you should care about narrative so what is animosity for people who don't know they see this lovely little website up you've talked about you know figureheads we've talked about this narrative you mentioned something about having a record but like it's international like what what is going on here you know indoctrinate me tell me what animosity is yeah. Uh, so animosity campaigns started in uh, 2004 after the uh, after Games Workshop's uh, Storm of Chaos worldwide campaign. Uh, so basically, on on the uh, the uh, Orc forum, because internet forums were all the rage before social media, uh, the Orc forum, the Warpath, there were a bunch of Orc players who were like, "Yeah, we we want to do more of this." Uh, so they came up with a campaign they called Animosity, which was primarily just a bunch of Orcs uh, crumping each other. 
Um, and this, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, this uh, snowballed, um, and it just kept going. So from two, 2004 to 2014, there were about a dozen Warhammer Fantasy uh, animosity campaigns, which as they, they grew and grew and grew, um, ended up exploring corners of the, the Warhammer world that uh, Games Workshop largely neglected. Uh, so the campaigns went to uh, Astalia, they went to Cathay, they went to Ind, they went to Kislev, uh, stuff like that. Um, but anyway, uh, Araby, there were two campaigns set in Araby. Uh, but regardless, uh, end times happened, Animosity suffered a site crash at the same time, the, the old incarnation kind of died. Um, but those of us who had played it, we were like, you know, that this was a huge, you know, I, I credit animosity to keeping me in the hobby entirely um, through through some pretty bad years otherwise. And uh, we were like, well, we we want to see, we want to bring this experience to players who didn't experience it, you know, primarily people who have gotten into, uh, uh, you know, gotten to Age of Sigmar without having been in Warhammer Fantasy or they just weren't part of the the online community back then. Um, so I pulled together a team of mostly old timers and we've added uh, some really good uh, newcomers too. Uh, so we have a team of nine people uh, currently. Um, so what Animosity Campaigns is in its current uh, incarnation uh, is we are a five-week, uh, five-turn, five-week narrative event uh, starting uh, July 14th this year. Uh, where six player teams that we call coalitions, each of them rallied around a non-player character we call figurehead, are uh, fighting for. In this case, uh, each of them, it, it's it's very. Uh, I don't want to say Game of Thronesy, but uh, they're each seeking to become the the seraph of the uh, Iskarneth Seraphate, uh, and the the setting is uh, the Prime Dominion, which is a. Uh, a stable place in Hyzaia, which is the uh, outermost realm of Hish. Um, so it's it's this uh, relatively safe, unblemished uh, paradise, you know, in what is otherwise, especially now, the broken realms. Um, so whoever, whoever's uh, satrap, because uh, we we adopted uh, that that term from antiquity, uh, whichever uh, Iskarneth satrap ends up becoming Seraph. Uh, obviously, the the supporters who got them there are going to enjoy uh, the the benefits of having a, a friendly face on the throne in this uh, uh, unspoiled uh, paradise. Well, it, it'll be a little more spoiled after we're done with it. Uh, but uh, so that that's pretty much what what we are. So uh, the 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 core gameplay mechanics is that players can submit uh what we call submitting reports and there's five different reporting categories there's gaming of course uh there's hobby there's writing uh there's what we call storytelling which is the the simplest example would be like what they do in all the battle tomes where you know you set up a dramatic photograph of two armies fighting each other so you know if if, if you have two armies and you know most of us say just sigmar players do um you know just just set them up on a board make, make some dramatic uh, photographs and you know you you uh You've done storytelling. And then we have arts and crafts, which is kind of our catch-all category. So uh, I know Nuno is a fan of cosplay. He, he's always uh, pushing people to do uh, campaign-themed cosplay. that we but... need to activate. I mean, it's yeah. probably active. It's just that we, we're not as privy to what's going yeah. on there. Uh, but, uh, I, I will show up in my Necromancer cosplay at an <laughs> yeah. event in the next year or two. Like so, uh, this is happening. Uh, like I, I, I'm committed to this. So uh, respect to well, the cosplayers out there. 
so pandemic notwithstanding, we are hoping to have a second uh, animosity event in the year, which we call the weekender, which will be set sometime in the fall. Okay. Uh, we have not decided really if if that's happening this year. If it doesn't, there will be an online version, which is what we did last time. So, so you're, last you're, you're, tr you're looking to set up a physical, like, in-person type thing. Yeah. Cool. Right on. Um, I think that's that's healthy growth. And and we, we have, so we have uh, a, a fellow uh, out of uh, Las Vegas who's uh, doing a bunch of organizing there. So, like, we, we do have local groups, certainly, that, uh, you know, Keegan West's group uh, in Thailand. Like, we do have physical groups who are playing, but uh, we do want to set up, like, an actual in the vein of uh holy wars or raw or whatever like a physical this is the animosity weekender sort of event mm -hmm. so um so if, if i can just go back a little bit to yeah. you mentioned like five five week five round sort of thing how do i play animosity like how do i you know like because you're over there i'm over here you know you know so how, how, yeah uh you you go to animositycampaigns.com and you uh read through our landing page and click on uh uh new players guide and that that'll give you that that that's the shortest version i can possibly give uh because we did put a lot of thought uh, especially this year into how to engage new players so we we have tried to address that in our our online presence um but pretty much uh if you want to play in animosity 3 what you do is you again you go to our website um right on the home page there's a big button that says join our discord community um, and in the new player's guide, if you're not familiar with Discord, we do have uh, sort of learning the ropes of Discord, because I know we have had a few players, uh, and even myself, I didn't really use Discord until I started uh, Animosity. Um, but uh, the, the campaign itself is run primarily out of the Discord server, so what you'll do is each turn you can submit up to three reports, uh, one of up to one of each... Uh, of the, of five, the, five, the five category, yeah. so like... Yeah. I really pleased with a model i paint i submit that i i uh play like a pathfinder or not a pathfinder uh, a path of glory game with a friend i submit that yeah. and so on yeah so the the this kind of the the trifecta we have in mind is like play a game write a story paint a model like that that that'll if you and you you don't have to submit three reports but that that's our our hard cap uh, but you know that that's like a good. You're amount a gamer of and you're hobby. competitive. You're gonna try to. Yeah. You're gonna try to. Well, and 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 la last year, last year we allowed up to five reports, and we we had some people really strung out trying to hit that every week, and we we're like, nah, let let's not do that again. Okay. Okay. So. I mean, um. So so yeah, even if I live on like an island, you know, and I I really don't necessarily have like an active, you know, because I think one of the 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 real truths of Age of Sigmar is we spend so much more time talking about Age of Sigmar and hobbying Age of Sigmar than playing Age of Sigmar. And you have all these people, this this big, amazing community strung out across the world. And not everyone has like a, an LGS or let alone a local tournament scene. And they're just looking for ways to engage the game. This sounds like a really good way to do that, even if you, you kind of live... Yeah, we had that completely. And it was probably... It was something we wanted to reach. But I think we were surprised how many people joined in that had never played, probably still haven't played. Some of them did buy models after the fact and there are many people who like they know the lore and they write some stories or they make a drawing you it's it's kind of sort of made all engagements that you can have with the hobby equal all of them count one point one vote you know well, one submission for each category well, and, and it and means it doesn't matter how you interact with the hobby no that's kind well, of that's kind of special it, to me honestly to, that, that's very special i think uh go on it it, it occurs to me that what i i what I haven't, uh, <clears throat> I haven't sealed the deal with, 
is what happens after you submit your reports each turn. So the player turn is four days from uh, what Wednesday to Saturday, uh, and then the the update, the game master turn, uh, where we write what we call the unfolding narrative, runs from uh, Sunday through Tuesday, and it takes us three days to to pull all that together. So what happens when you submit a report? Um, each coalition will have uh, three. Uh, it's it's kind of like a, a choose your own adventure. So we have three narrative paths that are available to your your coalition, your player team, um, and these are generated uh, before each turn by us, the, the the game master team. Like this is not pre written at all. We we respond to what our players' stories are and use that to develop like what the next set of narrative paths are going to be for the next turn. Um, so. Uh, where was I going with that? So um, you allocate your reports to one of these three narrative paths, and you can stack your reports all on one path, or you can split them up however you want. Uh, but the way we, we structure that is that each each coalition has three narrative paths per turn, and if you want a, a perfect victory, like you, you really need to... You need to win every narrative path every turn, but of course that's not going to happen because you're in a tug of war with other players on other teams who are opposing you on these different narrative paths. You're, you're, uh, you know, on one path you might be fighting. Let's say you're an an Idrilek player. You know, you're going to be fighting the Solandek on one. You're going to be fighting the Ruyalar on another, and the Orinar on a third. And it it becomes sort of a paper, rock paper scissors that you and your teammates need to figure out. Uh, you know what what stories really matter to you and how you want to to allocate your reports. And what 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 is in keeping with you? Know, what we want to be really important is like what what is important to your character? What are they going to be fighting for more than just the the hard crunch of like well how can we numerically game this? Like where when you look at the story, the the narrative paths like what what would your character be doing? What would they be fighting for? Um, well, it's 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 sounding a little bit like I think how a proper like tabletop RPG when a when a real GM is like super engaged, yeah, like, the dice and the mechanics just like sort of t stress test you on whether your narrative plan pans out or not yeah and that, that's very much it so the 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 result of the reports get fed into pie charts that only we can see and that kind of de decides how well each narrative path goes for you is the the percentage that you got you know percentage more pie chart you have than the other player team um but what we do is we take everybody's narratives and we uh uh, we fold them into what we call the unfolding narrative, and the unfolding narrative is written uh, in real time by us, the, the game masters. So that that's why we brought on two more writers this year. Uh, <laughs> so we have four writers. Uh, so we we read all the reports, you know, read and review all the reports that come in, and then we write in real time uh, a an unfolding narrative of like what happened over the last turn, and that sets up the narrative paths going into the next turn. Okay. okay. <clears throat> So it, it is absolutely open ended, and it responds to the player's stories in real time. Nothing, nothing is railroaded. Nothing is scripted. Do you, so like there are no scripted events. You don't have like a tent pull moment where like okay, like the players don't know this, but on turn three the tower is going to explode. Like nobody, like there's nothing like that. It really is like pure. Chaos. There, there, there's a, a few things, but how how they end up, we kind of beforehand we decide like here here's some stuff that we want to happen but then how we write that in is responsive okay. to what what the the players do and how the narrative paths turned out right on. i mean last year we wanted we wanted to make sure we were going to do something with the whale god beast we known <laughs> didn't know exactly how it was going to happen and when it was kind of finally revealed we kind of did like a mini 
video cutscene. Yeah, totally yeah. You... Who was it telling me their whole goal was to have the Bretonian charge the whale? Who yeah, that? that that was that was that was uh, Sir Kylionis. Uh, we we you uh, brought you ascended him from uh, chat gang last time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. And so so beforehand, like, because uh, we only had two writers that time around, but uh, Peter and I, like, we we had the, this mental image where we we wanted the corpse of this uh, this dead god beast whale to rise out of the lake, and like that 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 was something that we we just knew this was an image we wanted to incorporate at some point. And the, the players made it really easy when they were like, you know, what we're we're gonna hashtag drain the lake. <laughs> so a, a bunch of Skaven set up a bunch of gnaw holes and they drained all the water out and exposed the corpse of the whale. And we're like, oh well, that's we didn't see that coming, but that's convenient. That that I mean, um, as a but GM, they had to put reports to it. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, had to put reports. So they suggested the plan, and then we said, if, if you want that to happen, you're gonna need to supercharge particular narrative path and they went completely all in yeah amazing amazing see that, that for me that's that's the magic of like tabletop gming is is when you have like you have an idea and your players have a better idea or they make your idea real <laughs> and you're like yeah and you're like currently erasing what your plan was and writing in theirs to make the <laughs> thing happen <laughs> yeah a, a, a lot of that the happens players have so many good ideas we, we introduced a, a gigantic um Dragon Ogre Shagoth of the size of a mountain because of, it was like a player came up with it and then it became a plot point. <laughs> yeah, so when, when Kragnos, like the first Kragnos trailer dropped and there, you, there was like you, a voiceover. You were smashing the copyright infringement button. Like, on the yeah, where, where like the it, it pans away and you see like a clearly Centaur figure, you know, uh, uh, but you can't really see what it is and he's going on like I was buried under the mountain and I'm like that's our story we wrote that <laughs> uh, so that um, that just happened uh in Kragnos uh that just happened with a with a Skaven beat uh so like yeah. I had my uh, uh best damn soulbound game and I had this big Skaven beat like this this rope dope sort of like one two punch for Anvil Guard they just did that in Kragnos and I'm like I'm a fucking genius. Like, <laughs> like I just like someone told me like, "Hey, have you read Kragnos yet?" They totally had your story beat with the Skaven. I'm like, "What?" And that was that was like a barely shared beat. You guys had like a an icon, like a literal icon sort of like moment. Yeah, and I know? mean, uh, uh, of course, Kragnos turned out to be something completely different. But like, just for that trailer, I was like, "What? <laughs> what is happening?" Yeah. So. Oh, that's pretty special. That, that's pretty awesome. Um. But yeah, that that was one hundred percent, you know, especially during the lake. But there, there were a few other things that that were absolutely uh, uh, player ideas. And like, what what happened after after the uh, the the giant uh, dragon ogre Shagoth uh, uh, was being used as a trump card against the coalition we called the expedition? And like, basically, the narrative path for the expedition that turn was like, you have a giant dragon ogre Shagoth. You know, you see it on the horizon, and it's getting bigger. Uh, deal with it, <laughs> you know, and, and so, basically leaving it to the players to figure out what they were gonna do. So, so can certain they narrative... had a storm vault that, that they could access? They had a storm yeah, vault. cool. They had they had also say say what you're finding in the storm vault. Come up with something interesting, and then make that into a submission. Yeah. And they did. Wow. Yeah. So so, do you find that like narrative balls kind of like sort of push down the hill earlier on? Can like sort of have gains down the line to where like the narrative threshold that they've put almost can be a little bit more weightful than like ne the reports necessarily. Do you find there's something like that sort of happens? Like 
Well, yes, but actually no, because at the end of the day, we do want it to be mechanics grounded. Okay. So it really does okay. come back to that rock, paper, scissors of how reports are allocated. Like, okay. uh, so like when, when it comes to gaming, like we, the thing we say is a report is a report is a report. So like, it, it doesn't matter if you want won or lost the game, like you, you play the game. That's the important part. Uh, -huh. uh but we, we do want, we do want it to come back to the crunch of our, our game engine and those mechanics of submitting reports mm -hmm. uh, and the percentage of, you know, how, how many, how many reports you allocate versus how many reports your opponents allocated and what that, that differential is that, you know, that determines how, uh, how successful things are or not. So it's like one of the things that happened in animosity hey, too. Pardon me. Can you riff for a moment? I do need to step away. Yeah. Okay. This is yeah, fair. You're playing the, uh, chat gang drinking game that is not official and will totally kill you. There's your moment. Everyone finish your beer. Uh, I'm gonna tap into a You're chat the host here. And, and Nuno's the guest now, so yeah, fair <laughs> enough. So, so there, there. I'm just gonna tell war stories. So there, there was a. Everyone knows when uh, Torag Tometer blew up the uh, the diplomacy boat, but like I, I mentioned in the Discord earlier, like no one, no one really remembers when he didn't blow up uh, Satreya like a turn or two earlier, because uh, he certainly tried. Uh, but again, that that was just how the the report allocation and the pie charts worked out was that when 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 the pilgrimage blew up the boat a bunch of pilgrimage players put a ton of reports into that path and the expedition put very few into it uh the fight over satreya when the pilgrimage and expedition were both trying to claim it um the the pie chart ended up much more closely matched so i think like the the expedition still had a real fight on their hands but they they did they had the edge they were able to uh push out the the pilgrimage and you know looking at the different uh i i want to say that there was something in particular where through the diplomacy channels one of the expedition players had actually uh gotten some uh scouts from the the perpetual where the per per perpetual were like well we'll help you out in in satraya if you do this other thing uh so the perpetual actually i believe allocated i trying to remember i think they actually allocated a couple of reports to uh, satraya in support of the expedition and these were supposed to be like forward sneaky scouts that that uh, were very hard to detect and that that kind of set up like well torag's over here trying to blow up the city but these scouts see him do that and then the expedition players know that the city's been mined and they can go in and uh intercept uh what what torag was doing you know and those bombs never went off and the city didn't explode uh but it really the came back is, to, yeah. The uh, the story that he wrote that you know my 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 characters are setting up the bombs in the city of of Satreya, that still made it into the story, and mm -hmm. they were defeated in the story. So essentially, everything gets folded into the main, into the main narrative. You know the, and it's all player created. Yeah, and so yeah, all, all those plots. It, it's not like you know, as you're saying, it's not like what Torag did. Or what Torag attempted in his reports didn't happen. Uh, it, it very much did happen, but the pie chart was not in his favor. Thwarted. Yeah, was not in the pilgrimage's favor, so the bombs didn't go off. Um, so we we do try to balance story with that that mechanical crunch. Uh, and and that, I think that was the first. Yeah, go ahead. That was the first turn. I think that we saw the first player collaborative writing where two other coalitions, you know, they they shared their scouts. And yeah. they together wrote each other's characters into their writing reports and even into their gaming reports, I think. 
put like a, you know a few death models fighting alongside them i think so i'm going to quote uh uh Cosgrove, one of our uh, gms in uh, in chat uh, he says we don't release numbers or how we do it because we don't want people to meta game the numbers so please don't ask how exactly we do it just know that some we do some math stuff and it turns into other math stuffs uh and it it turns into our narrative and yeah that that was a very conscious decision um preview the 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 warhammer fantasy incarnation of animosity was much more open with the mechanics and it invariably just created fights and i mean you don't need to look further sorry my cat's playing with a toy in the background um you don't need to look for further than the furor over you know what third edition means for people's gloom gloom spite gets armies to know that you know when, when you start bringing crunch into it people get angry so um that's true. Uh, it, it's it's easy. It's more easy if it's run as a role play game. Yeah. And I think yeah. And I mean that doesn't stop people from getting competitive. Yeah, it, it's it's it didn't last year. No, no, and 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 uh, to kind of go back to where we were at the top, like it's super important to me that that animosity is actually a a competitive experience. Um, but at at the same time. Uh, we we want players to be focused on the story and not on the the mechanical crunch that makes it all work. Um, and again, get, uh, it's it's funny because uh, like uh, in our GM chats, uh, Kozgarov mentioned you know he he would be one of the people uh, trying to game the numbers and figure out like well we need to allocate x you know x reports here x reports there, and that ends up superseding the story. And that's exactly what we saw. You know, even though he wasn't a player back in the Warhammer Fantasy version, he's one of our newcomers. That was exactly what would happen back then, where we would have players in each coalition, uh, each player team, who would try to figure out, like, well, we need this number of reports here, this number of reports here. And then it was up to the players, like, well, your narrative's nice, but this is what we need to make it work. You know, and that that's that's not what we wanted in this incarnation. Like, we want player stories to be first and foremost, and we try to represent that with the unfolding narrative. Um, that that highlights what everyone has done each turn. Uh, so Nuno, my no, voice I... is burning out a little bit, so I'm going to kick it over to you for a sec. Right. Um, what else can we say? I think the collection of submissions from players. I feel to me, this is the thing that I find. I find the thing that is most beautiful. About animosity, other than the the feeling of the gameplay itself, is that by the time you write the unfolding narrative, we actually have images of the characters, you know, the painted models that represent the characters in the story. We actually have images of them, and we have images of their battle the battlefields that players used, of little vignettes that are each of the battles that are happening that contribute to a narrative path, and you know, artwork. We have artwork of specific characters that players have in their army or their role-playing in soulbound oh yeah so this is fully compatible with soulbound as well so you can you can run a soulbound game and you know the mission contributes somehow to a narrative path everything is integrated you know everything's allowed yeah yeah all all is permissible yeah yeah so i'm i'm glad you you were able to read chat there so i could keep contributing there it was kid bedtime molly's i could hear her off camera having some issues no we we, we have uh we have uh, a plurality of dads on the team, so yeah, right on. Yeah, uh, um, so it sounds like you're very 
I, I liked what you said about like sort of the, the player's narrative first, and that's why you hide the like sort of hide the numbers. Um, yeah, the crunch. Yeah, hide the crunch. <laughs> you get it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll just switch to like full on dad hammer mode eventually. Um, <laughs> it's the same reason why a DM would roll behind the screen. I feel. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's, so that's a good way. Of... Yeah. Priority is the player experience. Yes. First and foremost. You want to be fair, but the priority is the player experience. Right, right. I mean, stories are, especially in, like, RPGs and tabletop RPGs. I don't know why every time we talk about animosity, I, t- I tend to have, like, RPGs on the brain uh, more, than, more than you can um, it, but it's, it's, yeah, it makes sense to me. But but when, 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 you're, when you're GMing, like, again, it, it goes back to that, like, Balbosa quote, right? Like, the rules are guidelines and not actually... And if you get too buried in the rules minutiae, you're not necessarily paying attention to the right part of the experience, that collective storytelling experience. And like, that's what, that's what AOS actually st- has started to do to me because as the rules have become more complex, it starts detract to me, at least it starts detracting from the experience of playing the game yeah. as, as more gotcha, you know, the famous gotcha moments of the rule that you didn't know. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, I think, I'm I'm very excited about 3.0. Like I said at the onset, like all the voices in my head come together to like sort of have a a ball. Like this is the ultimate playground for me. Like yeah, I rank RPGs on the higher rung, but I don't know necessarily what that even means when I say it that way. I I did our tabletop RPGs first. Um, they're the thing I'm I obsess over harder. I I don't know no because I obsess over AOS. I have an AOS show, not an RPG show. Like I it's a, I don't even know what that means. Uh, but, like, I'm very cognizant of, like, how RPGs have shaped my experience. Like, I've always said that, in like, RPGs are the thing. If I had infinite time and infin- infinite friends at all times, I'd probably be playing RPGs first. If I only have one friend around, I want to play Age of Sigmar. And if I'm by myself, I want to play video games. Like, and, you know, just kind of like, and that's what I mean, I guess, with my, like, hierarchy or my rung. But, like, getting a lot of people to commit to, like, a big story thing. Like, how much do you find the, the time sink to be for something like this for, like, a player? If I join Animosity, how much time am I putting into this a week? You, you mentioned, like, four days and so, 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 so like, the, the sort of time frame. But how much time am I personally putting in? Does it vary? So, I'm sure it varies player to player. But. So, I have yeah, a hot yeah. take, but go ahead first. Uh, I was going to say, so I'm, I'm going to give the, the uh, like, the, uh, the bare bones answer. So... Um, to play an animosity, uh, we did make uh, registering in the Discord uh, mandatory this year. But how how active you are in the Discord is uh, is your choice. Uh, the bare minimum is that you should really read through our uh, our websites to so the setting, the figureheads, coalitions, unfolding narrative, that sort of thing. Um, obviously, the the time to come up with whatever reports you're going to do. So hopefully, it's stuff you're already doing. So playing games, painting models, that sort of thing. Um, taking pretty pictures of them. Okay. Um, and so finally, the the uh, I, I lost track of my my own uh, thought here. Time. So <laughs> the time sink. Yeah. Yeah. The the time sink. Um, is so you 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 do whatever you're going to submit for a report, and then you go on the website. Uh, so when you submit a report, it's just a uh, Google form. Uh, so it literally only takes a few moments to fill out the Google form. We have it all set up for you uh, with mostly drop-down menus. So you just pick, uh, you know, I'm fighting for this coalition. You type in your character's name, 
Uh, you pick which path you're reporting to, and that's pretty much it. So if, if you want to participate, like you, you read our background stuff. I'm you sorry, I found. For... Uh, I'm sorry, I'm not joining one of the coalitions. Everything I do is going to serve uh, serve uh, Mith Mithridates here. <laughs> Mithridates Altai. Well, yeah. Sorry. You, you... Already going off script because that's the type of gamer I am. Sorry. Uh, figureheads and coalitions i'm like oh there's all these oh someone's unaligned nice let's go well <laughs> oh oh you don't know who he is he's a vampire myth i just yeah. and then i clicked on it and it confirmed my suspicions i'm like yep <laughs> sorry everybody <laughs> he's <a> vampire. <laughs> so our to finish answering your question then i want to go to nuno's hot take and then i'll come back to what yeah to the mithridati's altai thing so so basically you know, again, you you read our background info. You pick what team you want to fight for. You sign up on the Discord. Uh, you do hobby, and you submit the reports. And like that is one hundred percent of what you need to do to have an impact. Because like we're we're gonna try to work you into the story, but because everything does come back to that sort of mechanical crunch. Like when you submit reports to a narrative path, you are helping your team. Mm -hmm. You don't. If you want to be active in the Discord and talk strategy and collaborate with your teammates, like you can do that. It's there to do, and we ask that you sign up on our Discord so that we have the numbers of like, hey, here's how many players we have, here's who they are, we can contact them directly. Do you get a nice little, like, um, so like, depending on what coalition, do you get like a nice little, like, sub forum where yes. you're allowed in so yes, you discuss you... strategy and stuff with players? Okay. Yep. That's, that's, that's one of it's the strengths of Discord. Part, yeah. That's a very, very good advantage to Discord is like sort of these, uh, you know... You know, I only have yeah. like my Patreon chat as like sort of our admin and Patreon chat walled off, but you can assign chats to roles, which is a really nice feature of Discord. So I think that yeah, be... and and we we do have a robust role system, so we can ping, uh, we can ping everyone in a coalition. We can ping everyone uh, from whichever campaigns they played in. Like we we have that. So back back in the day when we were forum based, uh, each coalition would get their own private sub forum. We're not forum based anymore, but we are Discord based. So it's basically the same thing where you get, uh, you get a, a channel that you can't post in, but it's all like your need to know, so like what your narrative paths are that turn, what bonuses are in play, that sort of thing. So you have a quick reference right there, and then you have other channels where you can talk strategy, you can collaborate your story, that sort of thing, and you have a private voice channel as well if you want to hang out with just just other people in your coalition. That's right. That's right. Um, so is so, it hot take time? Is it hot take? Time? Yeah, yeah, it's hot, hot take. take. Time. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it's exactly hot take, but you know, after our very carefully curated, you know, survey of players, uh, <laughs> we talked about a time sink. It will suck you in. You'll get addicted, and it'll ruin every schedule you may have for five weeks. <laughs> That's what we witnessed. <laughs> Discord. I I love that. And like sucked in, keeping away strategy. It's like, oh, let's do this. No, let's do that. Then like convoluted plans that would like fall down resurrect and the idea would be recycled oh. it yeah people were sucked in bad it's, it's amazing <laughs> the, it's the amazing. worst part the worst part one of the things i enjoyed least about the old fantasy campaigns on the forums was diplomacy where the coalitions would try to engage in diplomatic wrangling with each other i as a player i hated it i did not design it into into animosity too at all i'm like just just fight just crump each other please and the players are like no nah, we're gonna talk it out yeah oh my um, god they tried to care bear their way out of at least a few coalition tried to care bear their way out of the narrative paths almost all the time yeah it, it definitely caught us off guard so so uh That's in large funny. part thanks to uh cosgrove in the chat 
Uh, we will have a more robust uh, diplomatics mechanics like built in this time. But yeah, that, that was one of those things where like players would just obsess at length over like, well, this is the message we got from that team. Like, what are we going to respond with? What do we really want to give them that? Like, just just ad infinitum. So yeah, that you can definitely. Uh, that this is again why I say narrative and especially animosity campaigns is more competitive in my opinion. And uh, Cosgrove might have a, a hot take in chat, <laughs> but to me, it's it's more competitive than like we had a bunch of local players go to uh, the Atlantic City Open this past weekend and like shout outs to Mario so, Orlando. Um, for that. Yeah, yeah, and I mean it, it looked like a great tournament and all, but like uh, you know listening to them on on my local uh, group Discord and they're you know they're they're getting back and it's like you know five games and I'm beat and I'm so tired. It's like cool. So so do that for five weeks. And just just have your soul I, ripped out. I, I love. I just I just want to take a moment to like lean back here and like just appreciate the the fire coming out of the narrative players right now and like throwing down the gauntlet and being like we're more competitive than you and you're turning who's more competitive as into a competition to entice people to come try out your stuff. I just I respect. I you know game knows game and I uh, I respect it. Biggest global narrative AOS event ever, man. <laughs> So, so I, I actually, I have a, a uh, I don't know where you want to take the uh, the conversation next, but I do have a challenge for you when, when you're you're ready for it. Oh, um, okay. Well, I mean, we can do the challenge first. I've got a few few questions here written down that tie back into a couple things and go off in different directions. Okay. Uh, but if, if you got a challenge, I see as a GM, I believe if you have a good idea, use it immediately. GMs often like right. get into this trap of like, man... You know, I've got this great plan for this dragon to show up, and then, then, and then, like by the time your players get to that point in your where you plan on doing the thing, it's so far off of the mark of of where that was relevant. Yeah. Use your good idea. So use your challenge now. All right. So I, I got the impression you had the uh, the figureheads and coalitions page up anyway. I, you said you looked at the yeah, uh, like there. my my um contrarian. Uh, like I saw player teams, so I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And I started like I went to click on one of them, and then I scrolled down. And I saw unaligned NPCs, and the contrarian in me, the like, you know, row row fight the power, like kicked in <laughs> immediately. I like that, song. and I'm like, um, oh, this guy must be awesome because he's unaligned and an NPC. So screw these coalitions. I want to go help that guy. And then I clicked on him, and I'm like, oh, vampire dude, hell yeah, I chose correctly. <laughs> like, <laughs> so. Uh, so j just some context there. Uh, Mithridates Altai is actually a returning figurehead uh, from Animosity One. So we we only had about forty players back then, but for for those who uh, who were around then, like it, it's it's a name that's been in in our mythos for a little bit. Uh, but basically, so our lore is that uh, Mithridates Altai uh, was secretly the founder of the Iskarneth uh, Seraphate. Uh, so all these other elves owe their current civilization to him. And he has come back, and he wants the throne for himself. So you have each each player coalition. Uh, you know they want their satrap to be the next seraph, and then you have this vampire dude being like, "Well, technically, you guys owe me everything, and I think I would be a better king than any of you." Uh, put me on the throne. I mean, I agree. So uh... <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> I know you, nothing you, else. So... I agree. <laughs> well, well, so that that would give you Such give you an mark. interesting that that would give you an interesting uh, uh, thing to bring up in in the. Uh, in whatever coalition you joined, because then you could try to lev leverage your other players. Like, hey, you know, we should convince our satrap to support Mithridates Altai. So that's kind of how that works, is that you you would be trying to... And there another thing is that you can actually 
not really role play, but you can speak with your figurehead um, in the private. Uh, there, there, there will be another channel just for like where you guys as players can uh, appeal to your figurehead and try to sway their opinion on stuff. So you would be trying to get them like, hey, we should be supporting Mithridates Altai. Um, you know, and and that I our hope is that depending on how things go, that might become an appealing option for players to be like, well, it doesn't look like we're going to win this war, but hey, if we back Mithridates, maybe, you know, we'll, we'll have another shot at winning this, but we'll be supporting his bid rather than, you know, our Satrap's bid. Um, but regardless... Me in that, the agent of chaos I, I will become. You don't want me in that. No, I, I, I do want you in it. I'm sad you're not playing, but I, I understand why. So, so my question is... Man, I can't. The five weeks that I would totally get sucked into this, and I would be up in bed. I understand. I understand. Like, <laughs> I, I, I believe me, I absolutely get it. But so my challenge to you that I just, I just personally want that to just means to. that means chat gang, you need to go play in on my behalf. Like you have to <laughs> rep me. Like I, you got to do it for me, everybody. Uh, so your challenge to me. Do it, chat gang. So, do it. <laughs> so uh, on on the figureheads and coalition page, uh, each uh, each coalition has just a paragraph intro, mm -hmm. uh, and they do have much more uh, narrative below that. But each one has just a paragraph intro. So I want to know which of these six um, that uh, X would fight for. Ooh, okay. And right. and uh, so do, do you want me to read through them and like do a dramatic reading? Yeah. Or, why, uh, why don't you do it that way? Yeah. Like, are, are you and Nuno switch off and do a dramatic reading? I think that'd be pretty compelling. Sure. Yeah. Do, do you want to do you want to start Nuno or you want me to start? You can start. Just the paragraph. Paragraph is yep. a good good first impression. All right, so I'm just going to go down the list. So I'm going to start with the uh, the Idrilek. Um, led by Atressa Redhand, the Idrilek are the most warlike of all the satrapies. A harsh meritocracy where only skill secures advancement. They trace their heritage to the Tyrionic hemisphere of Hish. The Idrilek believe they live or die by the strength at arm by their strength at arms and will never back down from a fight or a slight. Mm. So that's the, the Idrilek in a nutshell. Mm. To, uh, to, uh, I'm a, I'm a man of finesse and schemes. And, <laughs> and I, j just, just to, to plug, uh, plug our team real quick. So, uh, as you poke around the site, you'll notice some art assets, which are all original. So the, the sigils for each, yeah, uh, cool. coalition is original. Especially with uh, my, Hish in there, like that's this is a really yeah. good good attention to detail. My my dad actually did the illustrations for each of the satraps. Uh, Kurgan has done all the maps and location art stuff like that. So that was so we do have a lot of original assets that we've created just for this campaign. Nice. Uh, so uh, the the Techlandic, uh, they have very like uh, UQA sort of like uh, almost like Japanese calligraphy quality to them. That was the intent. Yeah. Love it. I mean, Nuno. Saul's artwork and, and your dad has just added a lot of cool stuff. All right, so the Teclendek, led by Daryl the Resplendent, the Teclendek are the most prosperous of all the satrapies. They rule the breadbasket of the Prime Dominion and want for nothing, except perhaps more. The Teclendek's seemingly endless resources have made him a powerful trading partner throughout Haish and beyond. And the figurehead is uh, yeah, Daryl the, the Resplendent. No. He's amazing at everything he does, supposedly, right? <laughs> That's his shtick. Yes, the the he, he's supposed to be like the pinnacle of elf society. So, so some people like that. A lot of people hate it. This art but, uh, takes <laughs> me straight back to like the RPGs I was cutting my teeth on in in like the eighties <laughs> and nineties. Like straight back to that stuff. Like 
that, 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 so the, the old me. school like <laughs> pencil drawing sketches you'd have from like Kevin Symbedia in in Palladium Fantasy RPG or uh, Gary Guy like some of the stuff from um, well original D and D like just that and it, it it's funny you mention that because my my dad he's seventy six this year so he he is a classically trained illustrator so that would have been the era that he was learning to draw in. It's it's fantastic. So. There's a uh, Hey GM Kenny uh, occasionally in in chat gang. Uh, he he's a tattoo mm. artist, and he has a oh. like this this style that's like lifted straight from like the Tolkien like uh, and like it's like Tolkien yeah. meets heavy metal. Like if you remember the heavy metal like uh, <laughs> oh, right. the actual like heavy metal magazine. Like it's like those two things combined. I'm like, you know, I think there's just Perfect. art with personality is. Yeah. Just and this sort of stuff gives something personality. When I can look at this and accidentally pick out a time, like a, a time frame with the yeah, and just it throws me immediately into like my nostalgia pleasure pleasure centers. Uh, that said, do I don't you know, know what these green books are? Do you know what these green books here in the yeah. corner are? Oh, what are that? These are fighting fantasy books, the choose your own <laughs> adventure books, <laughs> collected in like. Old book fairs that are there gathering dust. Amazing. So, so I, I just uh, before I read the the Salandek, uh, I uh, I need to uh, just uh, reply to chat gang here. So, um, Cosgrove says, "Boo elf, boo," <laughs> uh, and uh, Lex says, "Let's show him how good he is at getting his ass kicked." <laughs> I love the shots. I love the like no. the viscera already forming, like. Uh, this so th this is animosity discord five weeks that's yeah <laughs> yeah but, but At this time our, we're actually we actually have chosen. a number of we have a number of newspaper newspaper templates that they can use to essentially smear each other with oh, propaganda fantastic <laughs> i love it so uh so the salandek uh to, to get back to the challenge that so it sounds like X wouldn't be too hot to trot for the the last two, but we still got four to go. So. The, the first one, I like X himself. I could see maybe thinking like execute, like excellence of execution, like war warrior mm. way through. Like I could, I could maybe see it for the second one. There's a part of me that enjoys a good pompous elf, actually. But <laughs> mm. yeah, the, the, this is X's story. So yeah. Uh, all right. So the Salandek, uh, led by Renaya Oathsworn. The Salandek are the most embittered of all the satrapies. A hard, people, a hard <laughs> people well acquainted with even worse hardship. They are formed from the broken dregs of Lumineth society, cast adrift by the Spirefall. Looked down upon by the other satrapies, they shelter unwanted refugees from across the realms and plan for the day they will take back what should be rightfully theirs. So that, that's the Salandek. Uh, there's, and, there's a, and there's a controversy regarding their leader, right? Yeah, so uh, part of why they're they're embittered is uh, I'll just uh, read read it. So the the most recent humiliation came as a result of the Usurpers' War, a little more than a century ago, when the Idrilek, Teclandic, and Ruyalar marched against the Slandic and wrested away more than half their lands. Fought on the pretext that the Slandic satrap had secretly been replaced, it was little more than an excuse to strip away yet more, strip yet more away from the already poor Slandic. Uh So yeah, basically the there's uh, th there's this uh, salacious rumor that uh, Renaya Oathsworn is dead. Like it, it's uh, what the thing with Paul McCartney. So like Renaya is dead. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. Like um, and, the Sergeant and, and, Pepper's and, and, uh, the Sergeant Pepper's conspiracy, right? Yeah, the, there's an imposter who has has taken her identity, 
uh, and that the all the other satraps uh, use that as an excuse to uh, deny the Slandic legitimacy. Well, I was already leaning it, towards this one so far just because the Rao Rao fight the power vibes were starting to come at me, and I like that. And uh, X's whole shtick is that he remembers distinctly one of his souls, and he needs to keep it secret from like the Mortisons around him because if they find out, so he's in the liege sort of cast, right? The the warrior cast. Yeah. If they find out he remembers who he is. Even though he's this brilliant field tactician, they'll blend him again, and he'll lose his identity. Yeah. And so there's his actually main That's main right. enemy is within his own army. It's the it's the support the supporting Mortison character. Uh, like because I haven't thought about it yet, we've named them why. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, so like the main rival is, and it's probably gonna be like like a play on Yggdrasil or something like that. Like just to. You know, it's going to start with so, a Y, but it'll be a full name instead of just X versus Y. Um, so if, 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 if you're... W and a Z. Yeah. If, if you were playing, which I understand you're, you're not, and I'm not not trying to bully you into it, but uh, you might find a plot hook. I see so each Mortis sa- and Soul Mason right here, like just right under here because I <laughs> scrolled down, and I'm like, I was, you already yeah. kind of had me at like the mm-hmm. underdogs trying to take back their power sort of plot line. So the 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 idea is that uh, uh, so every every satrap has an uh, equerry. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, and uh, so basically, they're they're a secondary figurehead that acts. They act one as a go between between uh, the the satrap and the players, uh, and they're also supposed to be kind of an example of like how you could write uh, write a player army into supporting. Uh, so that they're supposed to sort of set the pace for like. You know, projecting how player armies can. Yeah, why? Why would OBR be helping out some elves and shit, right? Like, yeah, that that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, his his very, uh, and I, I've actually he's supposed to be from uh, Cosgrove's army, uh, but anyway, Akradragos, uh, yeah, he he's basically like, oh, these people are down on their luck, which means, uh, I'll, I'll ally with them and they'll give me their enemies. <laughs> um, <laughs> Here's, to uh, collect their bones I've from. I've drafted this nice little contract for you. Uh. <laughs> yeah, just, just, you know, we, we won't take your bones, but we'll take everyone else's bones if you let us. Um, yeah, I mean... With, this, with your blessing. I'll be right back. You keep doing the reading. Yeah. This is this is in the lead so far, and that was before okay, I even saw fair, the Soul Mason thing, which feels like it's kind fair, of... Fair enough. But uh, at the same time, like, it could be an interesting uh, uh, plot for you. Like, maybe it's Akradregos who who's looking at X like, hmm... You you something doesn't seem quite right about you. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Like, but, and, that's, uh, anyway. and that's the whole thing. Is so X has like the twelve souls that make him a sweet liege or whatever. Um, yeah. But uh, he's, you know, like oh shit, like I don't want to get reblended. So he has to play the cold person as he's, you know, the cold martial person and mask that he's remembered his like a distinct life amid these like twelve voices in his head or their yeah. head really. Um, um, so the Ruyular. Yep, Ruyular. Uh, led by Karadras Lightbringer, the Ruyular are the most cultured of all the satrapies. Home to the youngest, brightest minds in the Prime Dominion, they have rejected the old ways of Lumineth society in favor of forging a new and innovative path. Okay, I like that. The, the Ruyular draw fresh ruling and f- philosophical ide- ideologies from other cultures, making them a rising power to be reckoned with. Okay. We're we're getting so so that I, there was a part there where I'm like, eh, but I'm like, oh, like they they like science and progress, legit. Yeah. So basically, they they because all every satrapy came was born from the spirefall, where like old Lumineth society uh, choked on its pride, uh, you know, 
hubris was the downfall of the Lumineth before uh, before the re- so basically the Royalers whole shtick is like Teclas came to Lumineth society with his reinvention where like we're we're gonna be yin yin and yang with the the land spirits and we're gonna humble ourselves and all that and the these Lumineth the Iskarneth they don't really believe in that uh, but the uh, Karadras and uh, the real are like, well, we we need to, we still need to progress, and the the old ways didn't work clearly. So, you know, we're we're not going to do what Teclas is doing, but we're not going to stick to the old ways either because they didn't work. Right. And like, uh, I we we have a very strict uh, no politics rule on our Discord, but a, as someone who who considers themselves uh, fairly progressive in my politics, like that to me that that's an interesting thing of. You know, let, let's take elves who are known for being so ancient and let, let's, you know, what happens when they decide, like, you know, we're going to throw out all our old stuff and figure out something new. Well, no, there, there's a, I mean, I think part, <laughs> there's a difference between talking like partisan politics and talking politics in general, I think, is is a really, I think as a, one of the problems, culturally speaking, that we have, and this is my soapbox for a moment here, <laughs> is that we don't talk about politics in a productive, meaningful manner. We talk partisan team politic crap, not like. Yeah. complex sort of individual versus individual and like what we think and feel because most people aren't bad just because they're on a different team than you okay yeah, politically speaking and and what's interesting you know politics is just power essentially it's just a, the arrangement of power that is the most simplified while still being an academic definition we have for politics um yeah. elves pose a really interesting sort of like allegory for for politics over time there's sort of a rubber band of you know like yeah we switch from feudalism to like more capitalism and then the power structures within all that sort of rubber band back and forth between going progressive essentially and then snapping back to authoritarian and then going progressive and then snapping yeah. back to authoritarian the greeks for instance whom our current democracy is essentially built upon pre like sort of pre-feudalism and we went back in time to like pluck this this sort of Greek democracy, like representative democracy, essentially out of the out of the ancient times, and the elves are have always had a strong allegory of being Greek or Greco-Roman, yeah. right? Yeah, and it's like, but Greek civilization did fall, and that poses a really interesting question for for democracy. There's probably, and I think and this is me personal soapbox moment. There's probably some really great bones there for something that worked pretty decently for an ancient society works pretty decently for a modern society, but I don't think we're quite there yet with what in totality we should be practicing that is equitable and good for the most possible humans in our current society, which makes the Ruyalar probably the most Mephisto specifically of the factions. But I have to think about X. So, so yeah, because <laughs> uh, X is going to give it to you. Um, Correct. So something I, I don't, haven't watched in the because uh, we published this about four weeks ago uh and watching our, our discord and everything um i don't know if players fully appreciate it so like whoever sits uh whoever becomes seraph like their their vision for how things should be done is going to shape uh the the prime dominion and the the iscarnate seraphate you know in in animosity lore going forward um, so if, if it's Karadras who ends up on the throne and, uh, the, the real are as the ruling party, uh, it will be a very progressive forward thinking sort of place. And, you know, that, that might not happen if the, the, te- say the Techlandic get it and they're very, uh, that they're almost a complete opposite and that they're very traditional. 
mm-hmm. uh, in in their approach to being elves. So, mm-hmm. um, so uh, Nuno, do you want to take uh, the Dornayar? <clears throat> so the Dornayar, uh, led by Lucidrod the Deathly, the Dornayar are the le- the most learned of the satrapies. Thinkers and philosophers all, they're devoted to studying history and scrying the past for prophecy. Although slow to anger, once they've been roused to wrath, the Dornayar descend upon their foes with all the crushing finality of an avalanche. Metal. And <laughs> the thing to say is that their leader is sitting, let me see if I, if I get the words right, he is sitting on an ancient artifact throne that gives him enhanced omniscience. Yeah, so so <laughs> like... Hamgalad, the Throne of Light, is one of the few artifacts in the Prime Dominion dating from before the Spirefall. It is literally carved from a beam of Hish's radiance by arts none still possess and few fewer still can claim to understand. It was crafted in the last mad rush of lofty creation that presaged the realm's descent into madness and born to the Dominion on the backs of refugees, a final monument to their former glory. <clears throat> For the past five centuries, it has served as a Lusidrod seat of power, and the place from which the place from which he rules, and from which he rarely stirs. Hmm. So there's. I want, I want to say this bit. I want to say this bit here. Like he can see through the eyes, and there are many of his trusted agents, the Watchers. Yeah. So there's so he. Dagger element there as well. Uh. Yeah. So if if you've ever watched uh, uh the twenty twenty movie Tenet, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that the the Nolan film. I haven't seen it. Uh, I, I I'm familiar with it. I haven't seen it. So so basically the 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 core the core plot point there is that uh you you can be you can move forward or backward through time like you're not tethered in time and that's kind of the shtick with the watchers where we were like like I, I was I literally watched Tenet and I'm like oh w- wouldn't elves be horrifying if they weren't completely anchored in time um that's so great- his Great thought His whole shtick is that so that the 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 Dornier proper army like uh, all the other uh, uh, the other satrapies do, but they do have the Watchers, which are the these weird elf agents that uh, their their satrap can see through all their eyes all the time. So it creates the, this sort of weird. Uh, a big inspiration for the Dornier was actually the uh, the Delok from uh, Necromunda. Um, so that they're they're the the sneaky stabby uh, shadow uh, sort of satrapy. I, I dig it. <clears throat> I dig it. Um, but they're they're definitely metal uh, as much as anyone else. No, I mean this this is really cool. I like the. Um, I mean, you you kind of had me at thinkers and philosophers, and I'm like, yeah. Um, you know, philosophers. Well, because go ahead. Yeah, because like we we can't obviously we can't we can't do actual like reading the future. Uh, because you know we can't do that in in a story that's happening in real time. But right. what we can do is, is the 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 quote that stood out to me was uh, you know those who do not know history are doomed to repeat it. So again, every every satrap and every satrapy has been scarred by the spirefall. So their their way of dealing with that is like, well, if we know the past, we can shape the future. So they're they're very obsessed with studying as much history as they can get their hands awesome. on to try to be able to predict what what everything you know where things are going to fall in the future see my vampire the masquerade character that i've been playing that i that that game stopped but um i've been yeah. playing a banu hakim who's i know it's a cliche that they're ninja assassins with katanas um but uh like i've been playing this sort of like 
Uh, I joked and called his character concept Batman who Hakim. So, like, he's basically, like, he's kind of like a Batman type, obsessed with justice, but completely twisted code of honor. Like, has law is clinging to this code of honor to, like, this code from the past to, like, try to cling to his humanity as he as he sort of hunts monsters and loses himself more and more and more in the world of darkness where all the nightmares are real, right? Like, how do you cling to that? And, and so, like, he has this literal scroll of tenets passed down from, like, the uh, the sort of assassins that, like, he's distilled from, right? Like, um, and, like, yeah, he totally uses a katana because katanas are cool, though it would probably be more accurately, like, a, a different sort, but... Um, I can't help it. Like I model katanas onto skeletons. It's it's a disease. Um, <laughs> X gonna give it to you. Like, X gonna give it to you. Yeah, I looked at these these swords and I'm like, I don't think I want to give them katanas. They're close enough. <laughs> like, <laughs> All right. So so yeah. Nuno, we're 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 pretty much at the end here. So, uh, uh, but both of the the satrapies and the uh, the player teams and the uh, our two hour allotment here. But uh, so uh, the Oranar, do you want to do the Oranar? You want me to? Uh, sure, I can do it. Right. So, the Ornar are led by Aiden the Auric. Uh, the Ornar are rumored to be the wealthiest of all the satrapies, boasting coffers twice as deep as any two of their rivals. However, no one has seen this incredible wealth, with the people of the satrapy living a strictly frugal life, uh, stru- frugal experience, existence. Having lost everything in the Spirefall, they have amassed material goods for the inevitable day of the uh, for the inevitable day the apocalypse revisits them. So they're they're the preppers. They're doomsday preppers. Yeah. yeah. Doomsday preppers. <laughs> they they are the the ho- the hoarders of of. Well, well. The, so I, I feel like I feel like the, that of that's, the Great Depression. I was gonna say I feel like that that's uh, that's kind of disparaging in that like a, a part of the core concept was the uh, the Great Depression era generation where like they. They know what hardship is, and they they don't want that to ever repeat. Actually, if, um, <laughs> doomsday prepper gets like kind of like a it's a very sensationalized term. Uh, I don't want to like uh, disparage anyone who's like bow of the bow of the fifth column has like a very responsible take on sort of like uh, being mindful of your commodities and stuff and anticipating like even like quarantine. Like, okay, you probably need pallets of toilet paper. But, like, <laughs> what about, you know, rationing and these other important concepts that we should keep in mind? So, so like, I, I, I say it not disparagingly when I mention Doomsday Prepper. I know we all have, like, a uh, Ted Nugent-style, like, stereotype that comes no. to our mind. That's that's not what I was that's not what I was going after, mind, mind you. I just want to be clear about that. These, these folks live through the Doomsday. Right. Yeah, so they're... that's the thing. Yeah, right, exactly. And, and they, they, they brought they brought all the goods with them. That's I think to me it's one of the things that I find the coolest because their vaults are full of interesting stuff. Well, and they they've been amassing more of it, but like their the description we wrote for them uh starts with uh, waste not want not is at the heart of Oranar philosophy. There's a society marked by <clears throat> Thrift and backbreaking toil, sacrificing and saving out of ancestral fear of cataclysm, and the hope that the fruits of their labor may prove enough to save them when the time comes. For this reason, though they are wealthy, the Oranar live the barest lives of all the satrapies. Better one loaf of bread today and one tomorrow, they reason, than two loaves today, and tomorrow none at all. So the the idea is that uh, basically they they feel the campaign that you know starts on the the fourteenth. Like this is uh, that they're kind of the pitch to, to attract players with them is that they have this sort of two-step thing where like they feel 
they're prepared for this war. Maybe not everyone else is, but more than that, if if Aiden becomes the the seraph and uh, the Oranar rule the prime dominion and the seraphate, uh, you know, bro- the the bro- events of Broken Realms have proved like their their style of leadership is going to be needed for whatever comes after, and that that's also very interesting in that our campaigns. Uh, you know, take place along a timeline. So there's going to be future campaigns, and what happens here in the Prime Dominion will play into what happens in those campaigns. Well, that that actually so, covers covers one of my questions I had was: Do the animosities like uh, one as players returning, is not necessarily like a boon, but is there some sort of like returning vet, uh, like investment for returning players that doesn't necessarily offset new players, right? Getting interested, yeah. and is there do my actions as a player in animosity impact? later animosities yeah so. uh it yeah it it does so um that's it all, all goes back to stakes right stakes and investment yeah, yeah. so so part part of why uh we we ended up writing mithridates altai and if, if you want i'll get into him real quick too um is so he again he was a a figurehead for a coalition in animosity one and uh he lost pretty badly um so <laughs> Uh, you know, because he lost in that campaign, he he shows up, you know, two campaigns later and becomes a major player here. Uh, cool. But that that that's that, that uh, what what's the the term I'm trying to think of? Like that strand of fate would have been different. Plot, right. Oh, okay. Strand of yeah. Fate. Yeah. Because his his storyline would have wound up differently if his coalition had performed better, you know, two years ago. Yeah. Um, and you might not even he, have I mean, thought, he got thought in to prison, use right? him in this plot, right? If his Plot had out a certain yeah. way. It wouldn't even. Occur. Yeah. But already so last already last year, he you know he became a plot point because this coalition lost. He was imprisoned, and one of the missions of one of the coalitions last year was literally to break him out. Huh. That's fantastic. So, you know that, so now but, people people that are returning this year uh, already know this guy, but they didn't. They might have been aware of his full story, and now we kind of sort of recapped it. That's pretty awesome. Well, that that, that was the best part. So the the expedition. And the perpetual for four turns, we tried to get <laughs> we tried to get them to fight, and they always talked it out. So on the fifth turn, we're like, "Hey, uh, here's a diplomatic uh, narrative path. Like, just just chalk it out, figure it out." And it was basically the the perpetual. We're like, "Well, you're you're holding this dude who's important to us captive. Uh, like, we we need to work something out so we can get him back." And that that dude was Mithridates all time. Uh, and that was branching out of what had happened at the end of Animosity 1. <clears throat> and that, so we were just, you know, diplomatic, talk it out, whatever. That drew blood. I'm like, all right, cool. Well, that's the thing, is when you lean into what the players want, that's when they, they subvert you. <laughs> they, it's every time. This is a rule of jamming. Like, the number of big bad evil guys I have created where the party just decided to talk to the big bad evil guy instead... And, like, now they have a friendo who's, like, a beholder librarian. And I'm like, yeah. all right, cool. Like, yeah, like, lawful evil. And I'm like, well, lawful. And, like, it's a it's got an IQ of 20. So, like, you can reason with it. Like, um, and then they're like, hey, like, we don't want to, like, loot your library. It's just going to be destroyed. So, like, how about you help us, like, extricate it from here? And, like, dude, you could totally be in control of it on our airship. And, like, so now you have a beholder in control of your library on your airship. Right. Fine. Like roll some dice because you got to talk through it. It just wants to kill you. Oh, all right, all right. Fine. This is the this is this. Players will always subvert you. Meanwhile, that bartender who's supposed to give them the the flipping quest just you described a like 
you described a trinket on the belt too much, or you you spent that one extra detail on like, oh yeah, like you're like I need to give him like some character stick. Oh yeah, he wears a gauntlet still. So like, oh yeah, he's got a gauntlet, and you don't know that he's covering up his ha- heinous burns. But they're like that gauntlet, and then like they just fixate on it, and like now the gauntlet's the thing. And I'm like, it was an arbitrary detail I threw out there to make it look a little bit different than every other bartender I've ever described. But now I guess we have a three arc uh, adventure on this fucking gauntlet. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it, so it, it's I mean, it, it can be a yes and moment as well, right? Right. Well, exactly. Yeah. It's actually an, an incredibly important gauntlet in my entire plot. Yeah. No, it does, and you do that. Like you warp to the. This is that warping to the players sort of good ideas, right? Like you, the the players have good but ideas. That takes, takes time to learn. Yeah. Yeah. So oh. so it's funny because I guess players never change because my dad has a story from. Uh, uh, a Bushido uh, RPG he played in back in like I want to say the 80s mm-hmm. and like yeah it, uh, after after the campaign was over like th- there was a, a shopkeeper that uh, the GM's intention was that they would show up at the shopkeeper they would just kill the shopkeeper loot the gear and go on with the adventure and apparently they spent an entire session haggling with this guy because the players convinced themselves like the, the shopkeeper was so nasty and insulting like the, the GM thing was like well if I make him nasty and insulting Don't we'll just kill. kill him yep and we can move on. And they were like, well, he wouldn't be talking to us this way if he wasn't able to just, like, kill all of us. <laughs> so they just spent the entire session haggling over gear. And, you know, the the actual adventure got pushed off for a week. I mean, there's, I mean, it, with the, the skill is knowing when to yes and your players into something really, really good. And to, like, okay, we've wasted, like, six hours investigating a corner in a room now, guys. Like, there, you know, so there is, like, there's got to be limits to it. But I often yeah. find leaning into the players at least a little bit for, like, each interesting idea they have tends to you tend to reap far more rewards yeah i'd agree with that it's 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 a lot better than trying to force uh you know to to the letter uh, what what your vision is and that that's very much what we've built our campaign around is is we we set the stage but then the players uh (laughs) you 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 talked about your your where will carcass and just to use the gauntlet metaphor like i had a macguffin item elsewhere in, in in my adventure notes right well now the gauntlet's the macguffin item you know, like yeah. because the player's interest on it is so is so high, you know, it you just sh- you can kind of move that stuff around it, as long as you're recognizing it's it's all kind of all about story beats and suspense and conflict, and yeah, the players will eventually develop their own conflict. If the conflict is the diplomacy angle that they're like they're trying to be diplomatic the whole time, you know, now you play up the the diplomatic conflict. Now you give stakes yeah. to it and. You start to do stuff. I I love. I guess what I'm saying is I love RPG elements, and I love that you do this with right, your, fair your enough. Stuff. So on 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 that note, uh, so I, I do want to get to your questions and uh, you know your final wrap up questions and yep. close this yep. out. But but before before we get to that, so uh, you see, I I, I haven't been uh, trying to bully you into playing, but I, I've just been describing all this. So uh, I, I just want to get into uh, Mithridates Altai really quickly. Yep. Uh, so in, well, in well, his one, uh, one final note before yeah. we move on from yeah. the R and R. Uh, I actually really, yeah. really dig these guys. I think that they're really they're very, they they read as very oh, yeah. sympathetic, actually. Oh, yeah. in, in the narrative, we, we didn't we didn't answer the the challenge question. So, which coalition, if you played, which coalition would you uh, join out of those six? Okay. Um. So I I think that the R and R actually like are actually pretty sympathetic as a coalition from like just a, a read through. Like this is this is a very sympathetic arc, uh, almost uh, like if you were to hinge a like a shifting POV story, you might have them as like your sort of Jon Snow like sympathy character um that said the 
Andrew pull towards the Ruyalar was felt. <laughs> but the X pull is undeniably Solandic. Fair enough. So so like it's un undeniably like it's it's not even close. It was uh like read this, like embittered, I'm like yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, like, hard people well acquainted with even worse hardship. They formed from the broken dregs of Luminous society. You, you, you sure there, there's not a little Andrew uh, leaning toward that one, too? Oh, there certainly is. I love underdogs. And I think uh, I, I pulled myself up from, from literally nothing. And uh, so, like, there's, I mean, narrative. And I think people are, like, too afraid of, like, just being themselves in a narrative or an RPG. And I'm like, no, you're your best asset. Like, pick dials of yourself and crank them up or crank them down, invert yourself. Like, like, well, this is what I would do. Well, let's do the opposite. Like, you are a fantastic tool for RPGs. People are afraid of, like, role-playing and lore and narrative because they don't think they're good writers. Yeah. Being a good writer has nothing to do with being a good storyteller. Like, the best storytellers in your life are, like, often, like, just people who have interesting things to say, and it doesn't almost matter how they say it. They're entertaining. Yeah. Your your grandparents, your you know, like that that friend who you all know that just told the best stories in college. They can't write like they 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 failed English, but they tell fantastic stories. Like it has, you know, nothing to do with how technically proficient of a writer you are. Storytelling is just it's be entertaining and and honestly be well, yourself. You're a great asset in in storytelling. Invert yourself. Like if you're like yeah, I'm pretty I'm a pretty bitter guy. Well, for this story, I'm going to crank up the bitter this time. You know, <laughs> like I'm. You know, or 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 maybe you'll go realar and decide to be an optimist. See what that's like. Yeah, what's it like to live live in opposite <laughs> land for a day? Like invert myself a little bit. But um, yeah. so so and and you said about about writing there like that that is to me that is certainly uh, important. So when you submit a report, there's a a field with 600 characters in the Google form where you can uh, write like your your narrative blurb what's supposed to be going on with your report. Uh, so if you submit a a model you painted, like you can be like, this is the the regiment of whatever, this is the character of whatever who's doing this. Uh, like the the important part, especially with writing, is like we we're the writers. We have we have trained professional writers on staff to write the unfolding narrative. Like you guys just do you, and we will mash all that together, and we'll tell the story. Like it it definitely. No one needs to feel like, well, I'm not good enough to do this. Like everyone absolutely is. Yeah, just yeah. Uh, yeah. My the one hundred percent best backstory I ever received for a character in my nearing thirty years of GMing now. Okay, the best one I received was a McDonald's application filled out in character, a literal <laughs> McDonald's application. I was running D twenty modern, uh, you know, back when it was like D twenty was just everywhere, and they went out and they grabbed a a literal McDonald's application and filled it out as their character. <laughs> like so, like it gets to the point part where it's like, do you have a criminal record? And it's like, yes. Yeah. So and then, like, <laughs> elaborates on the criminal record and stuff like that in like a weird tongue-in-cheek <laughs> manner. Like this wasn't like you know proficient writing. This was a literal job application, but like just the names they thought up and like how they answered the questions was funny. And it was one of the best backstories I've ever received. You know, we always think. I remember I used to have this thing where I'm like, oh, a minimum of X words for your backstory and you get the XP bonus, right? To try to get people yeah. invested in their characters. And I realized that like having a little bit more of a laissez-faire tell your story your way was actually the answer than this rigid ruled structure. Mm -hmm. This arbitrary value that I would set to things. You know, and it's yeah. like, I see the world through my trained writer, went to school for it thing. 
but one of the things you realize when you read tons of different fiction and tons of different stories, Elmore Leonard is a technically kind of a shit writer, fantastic storyteller, probably one of the best. Yeah. Like he tells a story like he's sitting across. Then he said, and she said this thing, but then I was like, and that's how he tells a story. He writes like that. And it's great. Yeah. That's what you're saying. I, there's not a lot of that. It's sort of more experimental. Or maybe it exists and I just don't know it. Like you, you don't write with a structure that normally you expect you write the way you talk and you slaughter the punctuation yet somehow it really feels you're having a conversation yeah. so uh j just on that note real quick and then we can uh, move yeah, on yeah, yeah, um yeah. uh so one of our writers that we brought on board uh leela her uh uh her whole professional thing is uh writing in second person which is a very uh odd way to write but you know d describing like you know you do this you see this yeah. Uh, and and we're we're actually adopting that for the uh, <clears throat> um, uh, the the unfolded not the unfolding narrative the the narrative paths that we present to the player is like you know you here's the situation you're in to try to give that that uh, well, immediacy. Second person forces what we call active voice too. Yeah, like you're you're almost forced to be an active voice when you're saying you and them, and it's very. It's very active. It's not what used to kind of happen, you know. Like you always see this. Yeah. Of, um, it's no the the immediacy, the engagement. It's it's active voice pretty much by default. Because yeah, we 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 were we learned a lot from animosity too, and we were we were changing some stuff turn to turn to try to see like, well, you know, does this work better? Does that work better? And yeah, the narrative path started off as me just more describing like, here's what's happening, and then I, I shifted more to like, this is happening to you now. Deal with it. Hmm. Um. You know, and that that did seem to help. So also, uh, I, I just uh, sent you something over in uh, in the Discord chat. Um, to be so this, now this or was later. A, uh, now. Oh, okay. Uh, so that this was a uh, a player submission we got, which uh, <laughs> is is one of my favorite things ever. Uh, so that th this was when the the Caradron player uh, got on board with the group project to airdrop stone horns. So it's it's just a happy airdrop stone horn. This is the the MS Paint like style with like a little like cloud action blur, blur tool from from Photoshop. This, like, so, so, so this, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, so I was just gonna say like you know on on the one hand we're we're this serious you know massively multiplayer narrative collaboration thing and we're we're trying to tell this this you know serious story with serious stakes and like then then our players throw this in there and it's just the best thing I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I love that they this got like, the this happy exploded. face. Like its mouth is open, like the tongue's like lolling out. Like just eh. it's, like, it's it's just so happy to be dropped from a uh, a car drawn airship. Yeah, the 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 uh the Magneto perfection meme is uh being brought up in chat gang right now. Like just perfection. <laughs> and they planned this throughout the whole campaign and they literally this was the capping stone to explode the whale. Just yeah, through the, a the, bunch the of stone. Anyway, yeah, the, place of glory. Yeah, all, place of glory. All campaign long, they, they were like, we want to airdrop stone horns, but like they, they couldn't figure out when to do it. And then they're like, this, this is when we want to airdrop stone horns. This is our moment. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, that 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 that's my favorite image to come out of that is just the the happy falling stone horn. <laughs> And I, I love how it's like a, it's a so cheerful, happy. clear blue sky. It's, yeah, like there's like a couple <laughs> little puffs, like little little cotton candy puffs of cloud and like clear blue, and it's so happy. It's so yeah, happy. like like all, all all campaign long, we we've been describing how this is like a, a frozen winter underworld, and like it it's it's always in perpetual twilight, and then we just get this. It's like, yep, that that's great, cool. 
<laughs> um, um, there's a in rule development. There's a, a like sort of an appeal to intuition. Is like if your players always think of something a certain way, just make it that mm. way too. Like that's another. Sort of <laughs> yeah, thing. fair. Um, sorry. Uh, so so uh, air dropped out of a ko ship like. <laughs> <laughs> like it's a C one thirty. Go go go! Uh, funny. Um, so you were gonna talk about Alti real quick. Yeah. Uh, so uh, just just to get that in there. Um, so because I I know. So what I was starting to say is like uh, I know you can't play, and I, I I wasn't gonna try to bully you into it, but I'm secretly trying to bully you into it I by know, reading all this. I know. Um. So uh, I I just want to do it's a dramatic compelling. reading. It's compelling. Dramatic reading of Mithridates Altai here. So his. Uh, his backstory, I don't think uh, you want me to take the time to go through the whole thing, but he, he starts with a quote where he says, uh, <clears throat> I have lost everything, my home, my soul, and my purpose, my chains. I spent my life, and much longer since, fighting to be what was expected of me, their wars, their causes, no longer. I am Mithridates Altai, born to be a king, raised to shape the fate of nations, forged in battle, reborn in the infinite night. My past is gone, destroyed in a flash of light, in Amazia, and a rain of fire upon Baikal. My shackles are broken. My time has come. Bound and now and now. Like, just fucking metal. Um, you know, and, and then, then his actual story starts with, Destiny has not been kind to Mithridates Altai. <laughs> <laughs> what I find is that the way he says it, right? Like, the last sentence of what you read. No. We know that it was like a huge amount of setback, and now he's just kind of been a, given a new lease. But the last sentence you read, it almost feels like it builds up to something. So you can he re, he's retelling his own story to himself to reforge his own legend. Yeah, yeah. And and I also I also like so it's you know a single sentence destroyed in a flash of light in Amazia and a rain of fire upon Baikal. Like that's two massive like the, there's. There's literally over a hundred players worth of narrative yeah. in that sentence, mm -hmm. you know. But but yes. for him, it's 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 just uh, you know, his past. Yeah, this is the 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 uh, for me it was Tuesday line, um, which is one of the absolute <laughs> greatest boss dialogue moments in in all of art, all of art, not just campy movies, all of art. Oh. Um, of course, all of Chacking knows I'm referring to Raul Julia's uh, portrayal of M Bison in in uh, the Street Fighter Two movie. Or Street Fighter movie in unbelievable. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I, it was a had me at hello. I saw, I saw like NPC like unaligned. I'm like, ooh, unaligned, nice. And so, like immediately. So, <laughs> like, <laughs> so like, like uh, it goes into further. Uh, uh, you know, he had sacrificed his very soul for the expectations of others, but in the end, everyone he held faith in had failed him. The path once set for him was irrevocably gone, and his future was his own to forge. Uh, so again, you you can't you can't fight directly for him, but you can kind of try to convince your satrap and your fellow players in your coalition to support him, and that's kind of how that that mechanic you will mean, work I can't, out. I can't fight directly for him, but I can totally subvert my coalition on purpose. <laughs> um, but at the same time, so what what what's going to happen is you're going to get pushback because your your satrap still wants the throne for themselves. Yeah, and my player and, and the other players I'm playing. Yeah, and, and 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 yeah, and the other players could very much see see him as a usurper who doesn't you know why why would you want a vampire leading, uh you know an, an elf uh, uh kingdom so uh, and then, so we we <laughs> we'll see how that works out. Yeah. That, that's again that's entirely in the player's hand. We 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 have no idea how that's going to shake out. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, this. I I wanted to last year. If we did this, I'm like, next year I'm totally gonna play this. And I'm like, 
And then narrator, he did not go on to totally play in this. Uh, life intervened. But, yeah. I mean, it's it, the date again? Uh, July 7th, or wow, why do I keep saying 17th? July 14th. So coalitions open July 1st, so you can get into the, the private uh, player uh, uh, channels on the Discord. That'll be July 1st. Uh, and then July 14th, uh, turn one begins, and I believe turn five ends August 18th or something like that. <laughs> Lexopolis. Convince the old guy on the ancient elf Barca lounger to back the vamp. <laughs> <laughs> You're... It's a goal. Hashtag goals. Yeah, hashtag goals. There you go. Campaign goals. I feel like I've already warped people. Anyone who watches this episode and goes on to play Animosity 3, I've already poisoned their brain children. Like I've already, by saying words out loud, I've already started to shift the narrative. Yeah. Like, I've already, like, because there's going to be people out there who are like, F what Meph wants. And then there's going to be people out there who are like, <laughs> yo. And, and just, like, by taking an interest in something, I've shifted perspective. Like, that's it's interesting. Like, how storytelling influences us more than... Well, you have no idea, like, the way people... The way people's perspective even influence within their coalition. You start a rumor, and it just runs through the Discord. <laughs> <laughs> And no. sometimes we curtailed it, sometimes we didn't. See, like, I mean, that's that's got to be, like, I almost, like, I'm sitting here and I'm almost wondering about your perspective of what it's like to watch, you know, how many players did you have in the last Animosity? Uh, 90. 90, nearly 100. 90 fully active. We had floating players as well. Yeah, the 90, 90 in the Discord that we can... we can say for certain submitted uh, reports, yes. Yeah. So you have, you have 90 players. 90 active players, and what's it like to just, you know, your team of writers and GMs and organizers and just, you know, what nine of you, I believe you said there were, just kind of lean back in your chair one night and just kind of, like, scroll back through a bunch of messages of people kind of losing their minds over <laughs> your narrative. That... You're not leaning. That's the problem. You're not leaning. <laughs> You're not leaning back? It's no. too many messages. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So You're forgetting. This is all time zones. It never <laughs> stops. Yeah, we, we literally, some of the coalitions, we had players taking shifts, or like, the shift in one time zone would hand off to another shift, be like, alright, this is what we talked about, you know, like, catch them up, and then they would go to sleep, and then when they come back, like, the other time zone would catch them up. Amazing. Self-organizing was amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, like, I mean, this is the sort of thing that gives me, honestly, faith in humanity. Like, I think games make the world a better place. Like, games and I stories. Agree. Um, like, man, that's... Like, I have some questions, but I don't know if they're important. <laughs> this just sounds like a blast of a time. Um, spit them out. So, so just just one final point. No, which is questions. That, yeah, go ahead. I would agree with that. As, as, so the, the final point you were asking about, like, if things were, you know, I, I tried to say, like, there's no railroading. It's completely open-ended. And, you know, it, it is, but it isn't in that at the end of the day, one of these seven characters will be the Seraph. Like, I... We we've actually had internal conversations about this. Like we're not we're not gonna try we're not gonna allow a player, you know, through cult of personality to try to become Seraph themselves. Uh we're not going to allow the Prime Dominion to just get blown up. Like there there's a meme in this the server which is like, please do not blow up the sun. <laughs> um Yeah, there's a there's a black hole. There's a black sun that is what yeah, stabilizes that... the Prime Dominion. That's funny. Uh but uh so yeah, like what one of these seven will be Seraph, 
but who it ends up being like we we don't know that any more than the players do right right uh we're we're talking animosity uh campaigns here animosity 3 specifically which is going to kick off on july 14th uh yes not 17th not the 17th Um, it is the 14th you've already said the 17th too many times so other people have already like the numbers hit their brain and they're just rattling back and forth um so yeah, we're talking animosity campaigns, uh, a global narrative event, a competitive narrative event. I'm told. Um, uh-huh. Yosh. <laughs> could, so, could someone else, if we kill our leader again, <laughs> or could be someone else if we kill our leader again? Wait. No, no. So we that that was we had about half our figureheads died last time, and most of those were dusted by player characters, and we're. Uh, I, I'm not going to say that it's impossible to kill a figurehead this time, but we're we're going to make it much more difficult because it, we found it much harder to tell the story when like the characters we set up the story with, uh, you know, got eaten by a uh, uh, like a solar whale, a zangor. <laughs> okay. <laughs> drunken no, we, zangor. We, yeah, we we had a drunken zangor who was like, I I want to I want to know what it's like to eat uh, witch elf flesh. So like that—that that was his whole goal. Was like, I'm gonna kill the witch elf and then eat her corpse. Kicker. That and, sounds like yeah. a challenge. <laughs> um. So so the the thing. So after, because the, the the worst part, and again, I, I'm I'm holding you up here, but the worst part. No, you're not holding. The, me up at all. The, you're not holding. This me is up. what I mean about narrative. Like, c- come away from a tournament and and have conversations like we're having right now. Like that's my that's my my throw down to the match play people, uh, because so. The uh, the expedition they they wrote a bunch of uh, they they had a big uh, collaborative project among their players where they were going to hunt down and kill the the pilgrimage's figurehead, and the pilgrimage anticipated something like that was going to happen, mm. so they set up a whole collaborative story project where they had a decoy figurehead. So the 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 project of them killing the figurehead. Like that, that all became that. That was written into the story because, like, they they did their plan worked, but it was a decoy because the other players had installed the decoy to try to you know attract that. But then, you know, out, over in left field, they're from a different coalition. Is the Zangor and like his followers were like, yeah, we we want to go eat this figurehead because we're Zangors, <laughs> uh, and they ended up killing her. So like the the grudge match turned into you know the, this decoy thing, but then the figurehead died anyway because Zangors. I actually I kind of um, love the out of left field like the <laughs> like the piano falls just like. So so like for for the for the the pilgrimage players again so so much and and I feel like this gets lost in trying to explain what animosity is like so much of the the experience comes from when we drop the unfolding narrative and players read through it for the first time. So the pilgrimage players like they. The expedition players, they read that and they're like, yeah, we got her. And then they're like, oh, no, it was a, a decoy. And the pilgrimage players are like, yeah, our decoy worked. And then, you know, we, we go down a few few more story sections because they're usually broken into like three or four paragraph sections. You get down there and it's like, oh, no, she got killed by a Zangor. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, you think about the, the tension at play and your emotions of reading it like the yes, no, yes. And the stakes that are in no. well, you, a story you, like this. Yeah. Well, and, and the worst that part. In the Discord after people were reading, and then people start talking. It's like, wait, I haven't gotten to that part yet. Don't say anything else. And tension. Yeah, tension, and, and so really. just just like we're seeing with AOS third, like you you get that first like half hour of hot takes of being like, well, we're out of the game, we're screwed. 
Yeah. Or oh, you know yeah. whatever, and and then then they 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 pull it together again. But uh, so that that you were saying about you know sitting back and watching. So that's that's always interesting to watch. Oh, yeah. And it, it's it can be hard to watch because like you can see players just get you know their hopes and dreams are just crushed. Yeah. Um. You know, and that just comes back to the numbers. But so j- just to finish share, that story, share, share that share that moment of insight. Like when players act like that, that they're actually really invested. Yeah, so that that was something I learned from uh, organizing narrative events locally. Is like when players are complaining about your event, it's still a good thing because they care about it. And like I, I would get really worried because I'm like, wow, they hate this. Like I'm doing a terrible job. But then when I would try to address their concerns, like they would also get upset about the fixes. And I'm like, oh, they just want to complain. Well, like I, they they're I, in, they're enjoying it, so they're just grousing about it. Like, oh, okay. Cool. Well, I, I think that that's that's part of something we need to learn as a as a community. Like we we talk about like narratively getting narrative into our dna a little bit more is like the way we approach and talk about i it is my dream that we talk about age of sigmar even though i have my competitive skew and match play skew and so on and so forth it is my dream that we talk about things more holistically that's why i do the show the way i do it like knowledge isn't linear people don't realize that like your brain doesn't go a b c d e like it's a shotgun blast and the letters are everywhere and there's numbers mixed in and every now and then a fucking new new cat like goes flying past like brains are how we connect to information is out there. Um, usually it's at an emotional level first. Um, yeah. It's okay to let people have some breadth of negativity. It's like sometimes I wonder how much is people being negative about something and how much is people being negative about people being negative about something. Like which is the <laughs> which is the the greater weight well, of it, you know. Well, so 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 I saw someone on uh uh Jonathan, I think, uh, was his handle, someone on Twitter uh, earlier who's uh, uh, like well you know the, the only people I see complaining about the points are the people who are complaining about the people who are complaining about the points um, <laughs> and like I, I so I, I read that and then I open Facebook and if you go to the, the chat I just sent you something like the first thing I see on Facebook is the, this image if you want to throw it up uh, in, in the, the stream soul blight gravelords is pathetic this is stank well I don't you know, even stank. factor I don't even factor uh, uh, Facebook into my uh, <laughs> like like uh, when I was I, I just for for a screen cap like that it, it doesn't it, just but that moment had to be fantastic for you that that linear experience right like that yeah. bing bing click over but uh, so yeah I, I do un- I do understand uh, where where you're coming from like that there it's it's a whole conversation and we we as an internet community need to get better better at it at all levels we need to give each other a little bit of space to commiserate but then in turn we also need to have like sort of our our safety rails up for what our threshold is of negativity we'll tolerate so like it's it's difficult because you want to give i mean this is the classic like you're right to throw a punch ends at my nose right like right right before my nose like the it's you want people because uh, Vanilla Sauce, I, I was cracking with him. He's been on the show a couple times. Uh, uh, Alex, fantastic person. Him and him and Sam both have more than on more than one occasion like talked me down during a bad mental health spout. Like gone out of their way and their day, um, in what is for many intents and purposes a parasocial relationship to say, "Hey, Meph, like you okay? Like we saw you made this Twitter post, or we yeah. saw you on Facebook." So fantastic people. Vanilla Sauce, he'll, he'll he's one of those people who just needs to like vent some negative frustrations every now and then but if you talk to him he's a lovely caring yeah. deeply emotion or deeply emotive individual um and you're like we've like kind of what you said like 
people blow steam off about your game kind of because they care about it. The worst response yeah. is no response. You want strong intentional, the twos and nines. You want strong emotional one way or the other. And I do think that being antagonistic to either or is the bad thing. And yeah. the person who says it's more people, I quipped, which is heavier. <laughs> Not that the one doesn't exist. Oh hey, there's speak of the, speak of the devil. Uh, <laughs> there's vanilla sauce um, and uh, Princess Wigglebum uh, re- renewing uh, her her tier one sub for six years. So thank you so much, and thank you both by the way, sincerely for for helping me all out. Yeah. Um, but like the the thing is, is like how much is that is like okay, like you, I make my negative hot take, and somebody makes their positive raw raw games workshop take, and we both have our emotional serotonin dopamine you know hit my veins moment with our reactions how yeah. much of the antagonizing of each other is the problem versus just being negative the, mm. i this is i'm asking this openly i have no idea like this is well, and and i i'm as nuno can attest i'm very much uh, guilty of that because i i have uh as i said going into this earlier like i i i am a vindictive bastard and i have huge uh chips on my shoulders so i i'm i'm part of the problem i i don't I don't pretend that I'm not. Oh, you've been throwing down the gauntlet all night tonight. Like, competi- like oh, narrative play isn't competitive? Come play Animosity. Like, if that's what you think, come play it. And honestly, is that not, like, just a rephrase of the take? Like, if you think a certain yeah. way about an experience, come actually do so, that thing. And then yeah, reformulate your opinion. The, the, there was a gauntlet I threw down on Twitter earlier, and I'm pretty sure I got ignored, and probably rightfully so. But uh, one of one of Rob Symes people, and I, I just say Rob Symes people because I assume like everyone who has a stylized goblin image of themselves as their avatar with red eyes is one of his people. I don't really know. I don't know. They're they're all part of the same it's like the, the knee stabbers, right? Like the, yeah, the knee stabbers, whatever they're. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so anyway, what one of them was saying about you know wanting to to cry for his gets because they're they're going to spend this edition on uh, on a shelf and like what what jumps to mind immediately. And the, the gauntlet I laid down was like, so hear me out. Lumineth are, you know, invading your caves because they don't want you near their their bright, shiny cities. They're bringing 2,000 points. How many points do you need to bring to make that a fair match in your mind? Because to me, it's like, oh, Gloomspite got nerfed? Cool. So just bring 3,000 of them and have a game and see where it goes. Mm-hmm. You know, to, to me, that, that, that makes an interesting battle. Well, is... Outside the the match play, like you you need two thousand points in a force org, and this somehow is balanced. Like when, so but basically the 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 that guy I was talking about earlier, like I I played one of the most serious games I ever have. I put him seven hundred points down, so it was my flesh eater courts before their new book versus his daughters of Cain, and I watched two units of witch elves with one of their their big uh, coven thrones lawnmower through my army. And I'm like, okay, this is fair, cool. Mm-hmm. Well, M- match play isn't fair. Well, <laughs> never I mean, was, and that's the thing is like, it, ch- it, chasing parody is is a, it's it's, it is a, it's like chasing. I'm gonna get political on my own show. Um, it's like chasing equality. You never, ach- you never achieve true equality, like in yeah. in any society. But the thing, the goal is to always try to, do yeah. It. Right, like I'd you agree. can never, you you're never going to be. Maybe you are, but I'm not a utopian. I I think that 
like it's it's hard and humans are complicated and societies are complicated and even if we all agree in like 100% egalitarianism like suddenly there's a hurricane and now it's not equal and now we need to like fuck with stuff again yeah. so like it's always something to chase just like game balance is always something to chase but it's never a state of equilibrium you never achieve it and yeah. it's important to be aware of that when you're factoring in your analysis of how things are the only true measure of whether a game is balanced or not is is it better now than it was before yes no and what mm. does better mean we can split hairs over but the only true measure you have on how good a game is is how good is it compared to itself we yeah. haven't put in the time yet with AOS 3.0 to tell how good it is now. Compared yeah, I'd to agree before. with that. Like, we just, we don't know. No, I, and I, every army is going up you, about 8%. Some went up more, yeah, and, but, like, there's just... Yeah, and you, you can't tell that from reading uh, Facehammer, uh, you know, screenshots well, of the general sample. Well, and, and even then, See, like... But, but what, what, go ahead, you're, go ahead, what you're go saying, uh, Mef, it's it, I completely agree. I, what sometimes I fear is like it's true. You're never going to get the perfect game, so let's not get people's hopes high that there, it's going to be perfect. You don't want but perfect I, what to be the enemy me, of good, right? Like exactly. But what worries me when that when people say, "Okay, it's never going to be perfect," then weirdly, it's almost there's it has to be black and white. Okay, if we can't have complete parity, well, you can't expect anything. You'll never be balanced. Let's not even try. Like, yeah, that's 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 not, the, that's not where we wanted to go. Yeah, that's the way to take my own words and then be bad with my words. Like, exactly. my, my point isn't that we're not going to be perfect, so don't bother. My point is, like, always chase it, but don't, like, you let that... towards it, yeah. Yeah, don't let that expectation of perfection get in the way of enjoying what's good and what's in front of you. And, and sometimes that means making your own fun. You know, like, sometimes that means... Uh, giving yourself your own stakes, like I create the event that you want to play in. There you go, or chat gang. Yeah, there you go. Um, let's see, catching up on chat here. Uh, Always a good thing. Prin Princess Wigglebum and Vanilla Sauce shoutouts again. Uh, thank you. Uh, yeah, uh, I like my combination of wild and and camped going on. Like it's just chaos on top. It's it's kind of like the Mephisto mullet, all chaos on top, but like. You know, business on the sides, I guess. <laughs> like, so, so if if I can jump in and reply to chat gang real quick, yeah, go ahead. Uh, so I, I need show. to address they are the show within the show. I, I need to address uh, biscuit butt here, which uh, uh, so I, I've been spicy tonight, so I'll continue the trend and just say I will fight you. <laughs> the double turns are a good thing. They always have been. They always will be. I, I, uh, this, I, this is another another hill I will gladly die on. I, I like I came around to double turns to be honest. Uh, coming over from my like MTG like imagine everyone gets time walk in the game like isn't that super powerful? The problem isn't necessarily the double turn. It's what is giving giving it a decision to take it or not. Like and I think AOS 3.0 is trying to do that with the way command points are allocated, scoring, being able to remove an objective. Like uh, before they tried to do it really sort of like haphazardly and weakly. With like, oh yeah, you can activate the endless spells first. Ugh. Like, that doesn't incentivize me enough to see if I get to pummel your your army for an entire extra turn. Like, um, yeah. so like they, it looks like they've been mindful of it. But when it gets right down to it, why is the double turn hype? Because it's the KO punch. It's the puncher's chance. It is engaging. The yeah. double turn is hype. Mechanics got nothing to do with it. I don't actually care about the rules balance of the double turn. I care about the engagement of the double turn. Like, it's the V trigger in Street Fighter. Like, you're looking at somebody who's got this much health out of that much health. 
And, you know, so for those of you who are just listening in pure audio, you're looking at somebody with 20% health versus 100% health, but they've got a full meter. You're going, they can still run this back. That's what the double turn does to you psychologically. Is if you're out of a game, you're like, I can still run this back. And if you're in the lead, it keeps you honest for the win. And if you're already winning and you've done everything correctly and you should win and you get the double turn, it's a win more. So who gives a crap? The game's over quicker and it probably should have been because you already played well to that point. There are. Go ahead. Go ahead. I I would. So I would absolutely sound bite that and just like, let's see. I have a. uh... An external speaker here, so I'll just, you know, crank up the volume on this bad boy and just hold it up to people when they fight me about the double turn, because everything you just said is absolutely true. And that's that's why I like it, because my big, my big problem with 40k, and I've been playing 40k since 3rd edition, I'm literally building Sisters of Battle right now, is that it's always been my experience, every edition, you lose that first roll-off, and you're probably going to lose the game, because the other guy shoots first, and you're, you're Greedo, you just got shot first, and now you're they're playing with their full army. A You've already Star taken Wars hits. Fan, I see, knowing, knowing yeah. who got shot first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you might like that. You know, so it, it, it always feels like you're you're going in with not an entirely full army because whoever was on the first turn, you know, was able to take your stuff off the board usually before you got to use it. And the double turn gives you the hope, like, well... Yes, I I went second and I took this punch, but maybe if I get the double turn, you know, I can swing right back and take it back. And that that's just makes for a much more interesting and fun experience to me than like, oh, I won the first turn roll off. I'm on the back foot for the rest of this game. I, I mean, on the flip side of that is when your opponent does win the double turn, you do feel that same like I'm I'm uh, I'm fucked sense of see I'm getting better at like not swearing because my kids have really been on my back like, dad, don't say that. Like, that was a naughty word. <laughs> and I'm like, first of all, I don't have the time to explain to you as an English lit major that there are no such thing as bad words, only bad contexts. And like, and then like go into this whole thing. Well, what about the this word that is really bad you say, never say? I'm like, you're right, but I'm trying to teach. Never mind. Like, you win, child. Like, child logic. Yeah. If you ever have to <laughs> argue child. against child logic, like, you will learn how weak your arguments are. <laughs> So um, no, I, I, the the, the takeaway like the people who feel desperate against the double turn, I think is like everyone has a game where they're like, I could have won this, but I got double turned. Everybody has that. Everyone has yeah. the this game came down to the priority role. If it was you go, I go. And so there's a lot of like, there's also it's it's really like glass half empty, half full arguments, right? Like it gives you a chance if you're out of it, and you know, and then the debate oh, becomes: wow. Should you be in it? Should you not be? I don't want to totally reject everybody else's opinions but i do want to challenge people who think that the double turn lost them the game to go look at all the other decisions up until that point um like you we always identify the obvious thing not even necessarily the most correct thing we always this goes back to narratives you're formulating a narrative perspective on how you arrived to the conclusion that the double turn is bad history is told narratively as much as people think it's this empirical thing. Yeah. The the histories we recall are the ones with the best narratives. There are historians out there who can one to one show you diary entries with dates and like logs of how many barrels of gunpowder were at this battle and stuff like that and they just show you the data, the empirical information. The best historians are the ones that build the context around it to deliver it in a story that you give a fuck about. This is how we formulate information, or this is how we formulate our, our 
our perspectives on reality effectively is just the narratives we're fed. That's what rhetoric is in politics. That's I'm using and, rhetoric right now. I'm trying to talk to you in a certain yeah. manner to get you to formulate an opinion. That's how this all works. Um, so I just and, implore, and, implore people to look to something else when you're complaining about something. Just not that yeah. you're wrong. Just get a bigger opinion. Go on. Yeah, no, I, I would absolutely agree with that. And uh, j just you, what you made me think of there is like that. That's literally what we're doing when we write the unfolding narrative. Is the the mechanical results from all the reports that are submitted, and then the contents of the reports themselves. Like that, that is all data, and then we, the writers, turn that into something that you, the readers, give a fuck about. To use your phrasing, sexualize everything. Yeah. 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 And and just to to kind of put the ribbon on the on the double turn conversation because we've been having this for five years now. I'm sorry, the priority role conversation. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I challenge 40k players to, if they're such masters of gameplay, get better than the double turn, bruh. Um, like, I dare my opponents to double turn me and beat them because I'm that good at the game. Gladiators play in the weather. If you're yeah. truly great, you play through adversity. That's what makes you competitive and good. Not that in an ideal set of yeah. circumstances, in an ideal time, with ideal everything around it, you got a perfect eight hours of sleep. Your job doesn't overwork you. You have income comfort to do all this stuff. What makes you a competitor is your ability to deal with all the shit at all the time and focus in and play a game. Well, that's what makes you a competitor. That's what makes you a great athlete. You can be the best like free throw shooter in the world in the gym. If you can't do it at a game when the crowd is screaming at you, you're not the best free throw shooter in the world. Like it's, it's that simple. And yeah, a little, self ripping on Giannis there so, yeah but but yeah. Uh... so and and uh yeah so I, I agree that 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 is the ribbon and to to uh comp killer's point uh love you comp um i i do understand the frustration of feeling you know you got double turned and you got kicked in the knees i get that but for the same time for me it's it's also i had one game where i had bought worst decision i ever made i bought already built stormcast off of this dude he was getting rid of them i'm like oh that's a pretty good price I bought them off of him, and it was a terrible mistake because they were built just absolutely terribly. Uh, and he he was selling them because he he felt he couldn't win with them, and he had just gotten so he replaced them with Maggotkin. And I played a game against him with his models exactly like it was garbage list. It, it was like a the the original AOS one starter, and then like some Vanguard Raptors and just some other just it, it was absolutely terrible. I had understrength units and stuff, and I would have won that game. If I had gotten the double turn on turn five, like I fought him all the way through and I would have won. And what kept me in the game was like, maybe I can get the double turn and I'll be able to pull this off. And I, I could it, it came down to like how the the points would have racked up on the objectives that we could have reached. I would have won it if I had gotten that double turn. Yeah. But it, if, without the double turn mechanic, I probably would have just thrown the towel in by three because I'd be like, well, I go, you go statistically you know, you're, 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 you're a step ahead of me. I can't catch up, but well, I, that, that kept me fighting and engaged and it made for a really fun game well, trying to beat him with his own models. Well, as, as a, as a magic, the gathering player, and it wasn't the ribbon, we've got the double bow on this one now. That's how, yeah. that's how thoroughly solved the, the double turn is for me. We have two yes. bows on it. Um, the, the, it gives weaker armies and I know, in an ideal world, all armies are totally equal, right? No, you don't actually want that. You want imbalance 
to force the wheel yeah. to turn and keep us innovating and keep stuff like that happening. You actually don't want true parity. Again, we don't we don't ever we want to we want to always aspire for it, uh, never achieve it, because um, then equilibrium and stasis are lame. Stasis metas suck. Um, yeah. But uh, no, so like you have armies that like will be like weaker than other armies, and like you start to do something called in Magic the Gathering playing to your outs. Your out becomes a double turn. You know that if the game goes A, B, A, B, with our de- optimal 100% ideal deployments and, like, bell curve dice rolls, that army kicks the crap out of my army. There is nothing I can do. I have drawn the L. Like, it's... it's Some army out there, some opponent is carrying your L at all times. You just got to dodge them or get lucky. Um, X going to give it to you. Pretty much, yeah. So they, they, they've got your L. And they're just holding it for you. But, like, you're like, if I actually do the boneheaded play here, which is a deploy aggressively to where if, like, they take it, I'm dead. Like, cool. But I was dead if I played safe and went back and forth anyway. But if I go aggressive and I get the double, I can win this. And so now you go into this, like, the hypest line of play on the planet yeah. because if you play the, conservatively... The, the, the Hail Mary? Yeah, the Hail Mary. And that's hype. That is super hype. That's awesome. That's the, like, this guy outclasses me or outskills me or their army's better than me. But you're like, I've got that puncher's chance. Sometimes you just hit them on right. the button and they go down. So so, so I'm, I'm going to... I think the whole thing the, the whole thing is it wasn't necessarily that having two turns in a row was necessarily a bad thing in itself. I think it was an experiential thing. If you somehow found a way, which I hope that the the new command points and reactive abilities can find a way to do that, yes. essentially kind of sort of smooth the experience of the double turn, the other person yeah. still get, gets to go twice and do everything, and they are at an advantage. Experience of what's happening is is not going to feel different, and then you're still going to have the chance of you having that advantage. So the advantage never disappears, but I guess it's smoothened out. I guess maybe that might make a complete difference because I don't think it was an, an issue of two turns in a row. It was the fact that it it was a very fast turn mm-hmm. advantage. Yeah. Well, and like so, I so- I rely on skill gaps and like and skill gaps and double turns to, uh, to outplay my bad matchups. Like so- I, I, this is an army that beats me. Um, I got to be better than the opponent, hopefully, because if they know the basic lines of play, then they should beat me on this battle plan. But like I've always got the double turn. I like that. Sorry, go on. You're, you're Alex. Uh, so to to we, we've gotten we've ranted so far afield with the double turn. So I, I just have a few things I want to say real quick, and then we can finish nailing this coffin shut. So first up, look what you did, biscuit butt. Uh, <laughs> second, um, <laughs> we, we we were talking about the the hail mary, but uh, Kylie Onis all the way back in animosity, the original animosity four in two thousand nine. Uh, he he. Uh, he coined the phrase the epic stoneballs maneuver. So that I think that that's what you're you're thinking of there, Meth. Is that what it is? Yeah. Um, like just the coho- yeah. the absolute cojones on this person to pull this play. <laughs> the audacity. Yeah, the audacity um, play. Yeah. Audacity. Uh and and finally, so the when it comes to to double turn, I go, you go, whatever. The the best game of forty K I ever played was against my brother. And this was all the way back in third third edition, if you'll notice my uh I've got my second uh, ed Dark Eldar codex somewhere. I can try. Um, <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, what what we did, we we were playing on my parents' uh, dining room table, and what we did was, uh, so back then you just had the three phase phases: movement, shooting, and assault. And what we did was, uh, we alternated. So 
I think the I'm trying to remember. I don't think it was unit by unit, but it was player by player. So like we both moved, and then we both like I would move, he would move, then I would shoot, he would shoot, I would do my assault phase, he would do his assault phase, and no like we would put down markers, but we removed no casualties until the very end of the turn. And that that was honestly the the best 40k I've ever played. Interesting. Was just completely rehashed the classic turn structure. The 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 I want to I want to touch on the best the best game real quick before we we get out of here. Again, the hard out is your guys this time, not mine. As long as the conversation's interesting, I'm good to keep talking. Um or I'm not stepping on anyone's toes. Vanilla Sauce actually had a tweet today. Um, I, I mentioned him uh, again. Absolute fantastic friend of the show. Been on the show once. Uh, we've we have since hung the "I told you so" banner. Uh, him and I have matching copies of the "I told you so" banner. We've 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 since hung it for for uh, for Gargants for Mega Gargants for Sons of Behemoth. Uh, we were right. Basically, everyone else was wrong. Three uh, has made us even more correct. So we've dusted it off. We've we have uh, we've we've hung the banner. Uh, it's above our heads. Um, we did the show on it. <laughs> um, but he was talking about how like the engagement of the game now with 3.0 the 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 back and forth the doing it you're more engaged turn to turn and i think that that has to mitigate some of the the feels bad of like the double turn happening and be like okay i'm just gonna go buy us both beer you, you do what you're doing <laughs> i mean the only problem i have now is when do i buy my beer if i have to keep playing the game with my opponent uh disgusting disgusting <laughs> so um the question i had yeah is the the best game the perfect game of of age of sigmar this sort of notion of a platonic state of gaming um you know does that exist i mean this is super philosophical now um i yeah, posit it it's narrative I, it's, so it is it's narrative right <laughs> it's narrative that's the hot take see no, I, i'm actually joking I, I i believe in like complete different demographics yeah the different people look for different things in the game and i think that's that conversation just gets muddled yeah so so i mean you want to expand on that a little bit because i think that's a, a super prescient to take like the demographics are different than i think of how we think of oh oh I, I it's completely not prescient i'm literally like just stealing this from vince ventrella this was something that i guess it was kind of knew it but you, you didn't have the words to essentially vocalize it he did that you know, with, it was essentially he... No, he did that with graphics. my take about coherency too, where I'm like, I'm say, I'm, I've spoke for like three hours about my problem with coherency, and he said one sentence that summed up everything I said for three hours, and I'm like, damn you, Vince, <laughs> stop. <laughs> like, um, so go, go on, you know. Sorry. Was it? It was the the MTG ones. What were they called? The uh, the, the psychographic the... profiles. It's it's psychographic uh, profiles. Yeah, it's, it's yes. Johnny uh, Johnny Timmy Spike, um, and uh, you know Johnny wants to express something. Uh, Timmy wants to experience something. This is usually like the big stompy monster player because uh, they want to like be Godzilla. That's the experience they want. And then Spike wants to express something. So Spike I'll is usually... I would, I, would advocate, I would advocate that the Timmy may also want to express being a general on a hill uh, commanding his troops. So it's not necessarily the big stompy monster. I, I think I'm a Timmy. I used to be more of a Johnny. I think I ticked that box and I'm now old and tired. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's like your the word you use. I think is the best way to express it. This experience. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like that, and that's the thing is like is is Timmy's don't necessarily look to like rule and like 
things like that. They want they they're looking to experience something. That that experience could be like I am a battlefield tactician, you know, standing back with a snifter of brandy, like commanding my troops, and that's what they're interested in. So like they almost don't even care about winning the game per se. They just want to have that feel of being that general. Um, Johnny's want to express something. We're the ones who like we have a combo we want to show off, or we have a. A thought experiment we're trying to see if it works or not or or we find like cool tech and we just like want to do the cool tech um so we, we want to usually want to express something johnny's in and hobbying are also usually pretty like you know those are like the very you know the the spike of of comp of competitive painting is going to just want to win they're going to go with the non-metallic metals to like you know they're going to know the painting rubric and so they're just going to try to like crush all of that specifically whereas like the Johnny of painting is going to try to like just really experiment with the technique, really try to see what they can, what they can show. And the, you know, and the, and the Timmy of painting is going to like that bust just looks sweet. So I want to paint it like, you know, like, and so, so I think why I know what happened uh, when I was only playing, I was Johnnying my list. So, you know, list building is a part of our lives that consumes a lot of time, right? Yeah. That's, that's where the Once game, I start that's part it. of the game. I think we, we don't, enough attention to is the actual list building go on yeah i think my johnny moved to event organizing that became my expression there you go i think it's 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 i, th I guess i guess if you're a creator you want to create something it could be a list could be like you know i'm still i think i'm still a johnny in, in how i convert i on purpose have the, the original model and i don't want to build the original model i want to kit bash the same unit from other parts some reason i don't know why don't ask me just yeah. to be a contrarian yeah uh, i want i want mine to look different somehow yeah uh, it doesn't need to be fancy but i want it to just be different and i think once i started running events i think my sort of trying to express something about myself kind of veered you know as a gm like you want to create something cool and new for other people yeah. to experience yeah. so i guess i guess that that impetus is still there just has shifted how it's expressed. No longer. I mean, I need rules in the in my game. I need my rules to feed a, a nice experience. So rules are still important. Yeah. No. I mean, rules are rules are the the dialogue through which we ex we have a common ground. I mean, rules are very important. I don't want. I my least favorite take is that narrative thinks rules don't matter. Like I hate that. Like I I. I hate. The, I'd, I'd absolutely agree with that. I, I you you agree with that, or I'm sorry, agree with me, or you agree with the the, the, the fake the the uh, take I said. Sorry. Uh no, I agree. Just keep talking. Okay. I, I butted it in. I'm sorry. No, no. I I just my least favorite Finish take up. is is that like narrative players don't care about the rules, or the flip side of it, the bad side of it is like is this joke I see go around going around the internet where like when a rule is bad, they're like, Oh, don't worry. It's a narrative rule, everybody. And then like, <laughs> mm. yeah, it, it, it forces that. this dichotomy between good rules and narrative that doesn't need to be there. Some of yeah. the best, the best rules ever written are purely narrative things. Like they're RPGs. the ones that people have most fun RPGs. Uh, as well. Even in age of Sigmar. Yeah. So animosity yeah, is the named Gargan after kicking the, the objective or something. You know, we're we're named after the animosity rule. <laughs> oh, it's our little ratto. I love rats. <laughs> yeah, so this this is Baron, one of our pet rats. Oh, Baron's adorable. Um, what a what a what a cutie. Um, no, I um, like like I don't know, like some of the best written rules I've ever seen 
are in RPGs. I'm like literally like they're they're better designed than any minis game and like uh Magic the Gathering gets this this like this reputation as being like the better written rule set and I'm like and I'm like I have an RPG that has like three pa- like three pages of rules and they're watertight. They're perfection in terms of rules. Heck, <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons 4th edition had basically perfect rules. And people hated it because it was too perfect. What a take. <laughs> like, it had basically perfectly written rules, perfectly balanced. Like, the like the problem with, like, homogenized, or perfect rules is homogeneity. To make perfectly balanced rules, you need to, like, go homogenous. That's my ultimate fear, is that, like, rules end up homogenous rather than interesting. Which is just yeah. this, this internal conflict I have with Age of Sigmar rules, is because some rules are, like, purely narrative i'm like hey that's funny ha 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 or not narrative um are purely like expressive like um uh like the, i mean d- destruction tends to have a lot of these rules right like um hand of dust jumps immediately to my mind where you look at it and you're like this is a super powerful effect but then like once you start to like really start to think about like the rules on display you're like this probably isn't like you know this is a purely this is a narrative rule nagash is the god of dust so she should be able to kill something outright now, how do we make that a rule that is compelling on the table? And they literally go outside of the game and have you hide a, hand, a, a, a die in one of your hands, and that's the hand of dust that kills them. Like, that is a purely narrative thing, and it's, like, one of my absolute favorite rules. Like, it's it's just this... And then, like, mechanics-wise, you're, like, you're, you're thinking about a watertight... That is anathema to the type of like rules writing that would be in like something like magic, the gathering, they got rid of coin flips and, 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 uh, <laughs> bartering and sh- like, they got rid of with all of that outside external game shit. You've got a sideboard, which is a lot of fun. And you've got wishing for stuff in your sideboard, which is super, super fun. But like, for the most part, like external factors of the game completely gone. You never mo- step up. And I'm like, yeah, that makes the game more balanced, but it, it gets less interesting. Like, it, it's so... For, again, I, I don't have this solved. I don't have, like, a fixed point because sometimes I see a rule where I'm like, that is so, so fluffy, it does nothing. And I'm like, this offends my rules sensibility. That, I, I, I feel agree. like... I, I, I feel really like don't Croak, like those rules. I feel like Croak uh, fell victim to that uh, with his latest War Scroll, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, or, or sometimes <laughs> this notion that destruction must be random and therefore, like... So, like, they get yeah. a bunch of weird random rules and I'm like, this is just so random, why even print it? Like, just print something... I, th- I think... Go ahead. A, less rules, but more interesting and better ones is... Because I sometimes it just feels like... I'm reading, like, you know, my allegiance abilities. Like, this is, like, five or six rules that each do, like, one tiny little thing. Can I get, like, one thing that is cool? It's actually powerful, and it doesn't yeah. activate all the time, but it just characterizes my army. I don't need to remember it all the time. But sometimes I'm reading, like... AOS reminders or something because you know it, it it's a lot of rules but of tiny little things. Shout out to and Davis, I don't know the maybe they are meant very hard on three point right now. Uh, <laughs> like shout out to the yeah it's good. we're gonna yeah. yeah we're gonna uh, have to kind of bring tape reminder tables you, you're gonna uh, have to. to the game for the heroic abilities. So so uh, I, I have a hot take that I know Nuno will well Nuno will probably back me up on, which is that. My, for narrative play, you do not need to homebrew stuff, and in fact, I'm at the point where I, I would actively discourage it. 
Gross. So like ho- homebrewing. This guy saying what? Gross. Narrative, and you're not just making up your own poorly thought out rules. Are you even human? Like. <laughs> oh yeah, all all the narrative organizers suffer from that from that yeah. curse. Like we have rules already out there. We we want to invent it again for our event. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So I I ran uh over 2019. In addition to Animosity One, I ran a bunch of narrative events for my local Warhammer store and they were usually about five weeks each ish. And then I would take a couple weeks off and I did pretty much all of them directly out of the general's handbook. Like if it wasn't the current year, it was a, you know, the past year or something, but I just lifted stuff out of the, you know, games workshop already provided it. I don't need to, you know, like Nuna said, reinvent the wheel, just yeah. pick and choose stuff that's already in the game. You don't need yes. to manufacture new rules because then, what you're doing is you're throwing more rules at players, you know, that they're already trying to keep track of their army, and now they're trying to keep track of, you know, like you said, poorly poorly play-tested stuff you just cooked up. I didn't say that. And it, it just becomes <laughs> oh, an yeah, absolute... For you, yeah, for you, yeah. Like your yeah, it, it just beca- becomes an absolute uh, mess when you're, you're just trying to do too much. Like, you, you can play, in my opinion, like what, what uh, uh, Steve Herner does with his, you know, narrative tournaments like that, that's mm. honestly really solid. Because you you have the story, you have you know what what the conflict is, why you're fighting, but then you're still playing normal Age of Sigmar. The, but <laughs> you know, the tables that, are playing you is the is the big yeah the, the the holy events is like that the tables play and it is it's the simplest thing and you don't quite know what you mean when you say the tables play until you get there and they're like oh crap like the tables they hate you and they want you to lose and like so there is this like external factor but like. His the the closest thing to to homebrew is he has holy damage and holy damage just it can't be prevented in any way it it is but there a precedent for that exists too that rule already exists like with with stuff like Axis uh, spear uh, in in the uh, in the null myriad army like it, it it ignores after saves and all that stuff so you yeah. don't need to like write up different language you know I, it's interesting because I feel like the best way to make homebrew is to just take something that exists and sort of cosmetically make it different. I think that that's oh, the, yeah. the best way. To, like this Nuno, pretty, Nuno does that all the time. Like you take like the Reskin, rule... It was one of the. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. You had. Yeah. It's it's. I think I learned that when I was kind of like you know listening to either articles or like GM podcasts for for role play. They say stop trying to rebuild new monsters. Like just nobody cares what you have like behind your screen. And only you care. Only you you are attached to the pristine, you know or gears and internal workings of the game nobody gives a crap like it's, reskin an existing monster nobody knows what's behind the curtain correct <laughs> and we all started doing that for like loads of artifacts and and spell lords like nobody knows you just describe it slightly differently the effects actually work really well yeah you don't need to change much yeah no i mean it, it's it's your best shorthand i mean this is a narrative to tip by the way and i'm taking this from rpgs is like just reskin stuff like you'd be surprised like the rule is usually printed there. Just copy paste that rule. Change the like specific like the specifics of the wording or you know the cosmetics of how the the rule states itself. But like otherwise, you're just using the same. If it's a bravery bomb, it find a bravery bomb that does what you want it to do. Copy paste and just switch the switch the wording. You know, like copy my homework. Just make sure the teacher doesn't know. Like do that. Like yeah. it, it'll save you tons of time and it will be a lot more balanced. Like I'd absolutely agree with that. So yeah, that that's just a, a big per- personal pet peeve is like narrative does not mean you have to homebrew I mean, this, stuff in addition this, this ties, to what you know is already done. 
this ties immediately into one of the, the very earliest things you both said. I think it was actually Nuno said. Is like a narrative event for you can just be you've picked all the terrain on purpose because it serves the story, and you're still just using the terrain rules. You just said, yeah. no, like, there's a temple terrain rule, and so that temple on the table has the temple terrain rule. Yeah. And you're just going through and you're applying yeah. the rules in a manner that helps make a cohesive story. This, this for me, this is the sweet spot. You know, this is, I, I think, and I think rules is the language, this is the dialogue, the common dialogue we, we, dialect we share as gamers. Like we, it already exists. Yeah. If, if you just replace that poker chip by, it, yeah. by a, a, a temple, by a magic, it doesn't matter yeah. what it is. Like you could put like a, you could plonk down a piece of like treasure changes maybe it doesn't change for someone who's there specifically for the competition but as we all know many many people go to big tournaments simply because they want to play and meet people they're they're mild competitive players yeah i mean yeah you you don't have to be uh you know haywo or rob simes or whoever like i i do understand like a tournament uh like aco uh that uh uh, Martin Olanderan, like you, you got two days and five games and good people. Like that, that's definitely a, something a selling point I can respect. No, I, I, I think that, I mean, most players are just looking for an excuse to play. Um, the it's been a great disservice that we've partitioned off narrative as like Absolutely. a separate thing. It's been a disservice to to the community and 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 I, I, I feel I do feel that that certain competitive voices have done that, but I feel like narrative voices have also done it to themselves well again um, i've, I've and, heard and the I, bad... I i hope we we can push through that and that, I, that's something we're trying to yeah. do yeah i've heard the bad take from narrative players too where they're like they make a bad pack and they're like well it's narrative so it doesn't have to be good and i'm like get the fuck out of here you're yeah giving, I have, you're, uh, you're, you're giving wait, us a bad you're that? giving us a bad reputation you're like it's narrative so the rules don't what? have to be good and i'm like go get just leave you're 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 the worst like so like the, the, so, so of... we we Go ahead. Go ahead. You've seen both manifestations, right? You know, there there are there are people who play narrative and they care about the rules working. Like even if it's like a narrative homebrew rule, you want the rule to be enforced. That's kind of how the world works, right? But then there there are narrative players that will come to your game and you know they're more interested in the role play in the in the battle and they don't care about what happens. Now it they do it too much. The players may not, you know, this may not mesh together. Even they may both be narrative players. One is just way more narrative than the other. Yeah, this yeah. can happen, but it's vo- is more rare. Generally, it's it, it's something that never really provokes any friction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, another, I, I do. Uh, we we don't see eye to eye anymore, but I do credit uh, Aaron Bostian with like a lot of what I've uh, learned, and like you know, Nuno and I know each other because of him. Uh, but there, there was one event, uh, which narrative event, which stands out to me, which was Fox Hunt Three, and like you were saying about stuff uh, outside the game, like rather than homebrewing stuff for for your narrative event, adding stuff outside the game that gets players to interact, like to me, that's really cool. And one one of the things, uh, uh, so Aaron did two things. One, you through the gameplay on the tabletops, you could earn clues, and you had to match. It was just like a little symbol. And you had to get like two different clues together to get uh, some bonus in the last game of the the day. Uh, but um, it, it was this thing where like you you were trying to. It was a reason to break the ice with players you'd never met before, mm-hmm. because it's like, oh well, I earned this clue. I need to go around the room and ask, uh, you know, if, if other people. And he also had a a coin mechanic, 
And basically what, what would happen oh, is, uh, so again, gameplay, you would earn coins and then one, when it came to the clue mechanic, like you, you could do this thing like, well, I'll give you this clue, but I want coins. And what the coins did was you basically, you could call either Aaron or, uh, um, Brian Orban over the, the two guys jamming it and be like, basically, I want to bend the rules of the game. And they'd be like, okay, you can do that, but it's going to cost you X amount of coins. I like that. So you, so you, you could, you could suspend and modify the rules of the games. Like, Hey, I, I want this charge to work, or I want to make a charge that's outside of, you know, any possible charge range, you know, and they'd be like, okay, that, that uh, I think what, what they would do is they'd be like, okay, tell me your narrative reason for why this should work. And if they liked it, they'd be like, "Cool, that'll be X amount of coins. Do you have it?" I, I'm literally and then you could spend that. I'm literally planning. Okay, so everyone knows this self promotion. I, I should probably promote better. Um, the Rantathon's coming up. My mental health America charity is coming up. Uh, sure. Ju- July 31st. Uh, it'll be right here on my Twitch. Uh, tons and tons of content creators will be on to, for that. A uh, bunch of stuff, bunch of giveaways, so on and so forth. Um, but party to that. Everyone is trying to egg me on to like make like a chat gangathon or a, a chat gang fest or like run my own tournament. And I'm like, I've already man, years ago. Uh, I won't go into the tangent to tell this tangent. Um, anyway, I've already like started to scheme how to run a Skaven tournament. Like I want to have a <laughs> cheaters tournament. And I've decided that the best way to do this is to have the cool. cheating above table. And so like, I, I loved, uh, I went to Nashcon and they have like schemes, which Vince Venturella uh, Tyler Emerson, uh, they all like kind of work together like, to make these schemes, right? Which are sort of like other secondaries. And you get this like deck of cards, and it's like your sort of unique game mechanics. Like one of them is like the Curse of the King or something like that, to where like you have a, a model that is cursed in your army. And when it dies, it passes the curse on to another person. And if that model dies, it passes it back ah. to you. And the whole goal of winning that, those like three victory points is you have to get your model killed, but not end up killing the thing that has it. You have to try to pass that curse. And you get this this deck of, I think we got a deck of seven, and then you had five games, and so you picked five of them to play, and you played one each day. I want to do that except with cheats. So you get this hand <laughs> of, like, cheat cards, you know, that are, like, stuff like you can charge outside of 12 inches, or, like, you know, like, literal, like, cheaty, scaven, cheaty mechanics. And so, like, if you get Warpstone... That, that's a great example. That That's a great example. I mean... I didn't even know that had that happened. That to me is already a narrative event. Never heard yeah. of it. Yeah. This is the so, problem. So so <laughs> right? I, I, it, I you're not a... even told that you can go to this thing and this is not your regular, you know, tournament. There's other things and it's gonna be more fun because of oh, it. Oh NASCON's no fantastic. Clue. It's it's a two list format. Uh, we showed up and uh, Anthony Polcastro, like pretty much the, the terrain master in chief, um, had like printed off uh, the terrain uh, coins already so you showed up to the table all your terrain was set to begin with so there was no that like extra six minutes of like rolling dice and figuring out terrain that was all taken care of for you you had the two lists so the johnny and me was just like like i got to like game two different lists and um and then we had these schemes which are fantastically again like vince helped write them like that this the the, their sort of brainchild and they just they made games so much more fun than the at the time we had that like pdf print off of like you're always going to pick the same secondary objectives and everyone's using them. And they were, you've got the, you've got the like five, your army can always get. And cause you know what your army's capable of. And bleh. and you had these schemes instead. And it was like, it was brilliant. And I'm like, I kind of want to do that except with cheats. Like you're literally cheating. Do it. Like every. Yeah. So, 
and and uh, one of the cheats is going to be there's going to be a warp gate on wait. every table, and you can actually like you can actually go through it to other people. Listen, tables. the cards are <laughs> a huge innovation because do you know what cards do? Instead of you having a huge sheet loaded loaded with rules, mm-hmm. you only have the rule show up in front of your eyes when it's necessary. You don't need to read it before. Mm-hmm. You don't need to ask for. It never matters until it's necessary. Well, it saves you saves you time. It's great. Yeah, it's it's RTFC. Read the fucking card. It says what it does right on it. It's it's plain as day. You you put it down. We both see it in the moment. We go, oh, yeah. that's what the card says. Like a lot of them were like. You know, this is your secondary, like, draw one from your deck. You know, you write on your sheet which one you use that thing, and so you burn that one effectively. You hand it in with your sheet, right? Um, and your opponent can go, yeah, you got that or not, because the vast majority of them are when you get this, reveal it. And so, like, obviously with the like with the King's Curse, you're, like, hanging on to it until the end, and you're like, you know, like, uh, you might have even had to reveal the unit for the King's Curse one. That was one of the more interesting ones. Uh, there was one where, like, you had to, like, curse a terrain piece to be, like, the corn blood altar and murder the most stuff at it. And so you had to kill, like, some multiple of eight models around the terrain <laughs> oh, piece. Good. And you're just like, you know, and I'm like, that that fucking terrain piece right there. So you, like, that's, that's narrative. That's a narrative event to me. Yeah. Well, and... so... go, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, if, if I could throw a, a hot take out there. I've been you, you've been tonight. just rapid. It's just a Gatling gun of hot takes tonight. I love it. Go on. Uh, so th- this is where the Narrative Event Organizer Network, uh, which was founded back in 2016 or 17, um, should have been better maintained by the people who founded it um, because we need a central hub for organizers to be able to speak to each other and share ideas because what what I feel happens is that narrative events exist, but they exist in their own bubbles, and the the kind of general perception of uh, the the internet age community is like, well, narratives neat and all, but no one plays it, and uh, tournaments are everywhere, so I do that. I, you know? I'm I'm gonna tell a story here. I it was until 2018 I had heard of Raw Realms at War. For two years or something, I had no idea it was a narrative event. I had heard in Warhammer Weekly. They said, oh, it's amazing. It's awesome. Had no clue. Which, I mean, maybe one could say, you know, you need to be better informed. But if I wasn't even aware and I was trying to find narrative. You see what I mean? Well, I, I, to... it, unless you're specifically told this is not a regular tournament, nobody has any clue. Well, I mean, I don't think – some some people who run what, what I think y'all would define as like a, a, a narrative event – don't think of themselves as running a narrative event. You know, like, they don't they don't think of it that way. Um, you know, the, part of it is maybe just our definitions. We don't have good parlance. We don't have a good, good language with dealing with narrative because matched play and competitive in the tournament scene, like, people know. They, they have stronger uh, language, yeah. Right, they have better language. They have they, they, more podcasts are dedicated to it. Like, um, I mean, it's just, it's so visible. Um, and again, it's part of it's because it's easier to talk about rules and tournaments and in a in a particular. Well, okay, well the tournament narrative. What is it? Who won it? Right? Like it's not what was the story of the tournament. You can say that. You can say which was the team that won it and what happened in the story. It, it, you're you're right. It's not obvious. I agree. It's not yeah, obvious. I, I, I don't. I, I was. Gonna, I, I actually. I just. Dis- I disagree. With, Go ahead. Yeah, I disagree. No, you're welcome to I disagree, disagree with you there, I Matt. encourage disagreement, man. Go on. I, I don't. I don't think it's easier to talk about competitive. I think it's just that vernacular is better understood mm-hmm. because it's been around since the '90s. That's, that's fair. That's fair. And, right? and 
I, I think we we just don't. It's not that it's easier to explain. Just the it's a conversation we're all used to having already. And a narrative as we understand it in the Age of Sigmar is something newer. Just like Age of Sigmar itself. Like that. That's what struck me about you know we we talk about narrative like. Age of Sigmar's lore hasn't had the time that 40Ks and previously fantasies had to seep in. Mm -hmm. So, like, for me, I'm very, from writing uh, Prime Dominion, like, I'm very familiar with um, the the Lumineth lore, but, like, as we were trying to write the setting, we're like, oh, we need to explain what the Spirefall is, because if this was fantasy, like, everyone everyone knew in fantasy, like, oh, yeah, uh, you know, an Aryan picked up the Sword of Cain, and killed all the demons and the high elves screwed over the world and then they had this big falling out like everyone everyone knows that already but then when it comes to the spire fall with lumineth it's like okay what's that because you know it was literally introduced last summer mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know players don't have that memory so i feel like narrative also be- becomes harder because like you pick up your army book and maybe you read your lore but you don't know everyone else's lore because the game just is hasn't been around you know we've got cruel boys now what what are cruel boys? What's their shtick? Like, that's gonna take years for this stuff that they're introducing to seep in. To be fair, I think that's part of the the appeal too. Like, I, I think that that it's that's a good it's a good and a bad. It's a double edged sword. I actually love how much blank canvas is in Age of Sigmar. That's one of the things I oh, love absolutely. most about it. Like, I love painting in that, and I don't think it's terrible that like I only that's know my army's do. lore. And then, like, I show up to you, and then I meet you, and you know your army's lore, and then we interface. I think that's actually a good... I think that's fun. I think that's engaging. Um, whereas there, we took for granted some of the aspects of the world that was, and honestly, it felt very stuffy to me, because the lore was the lore, yeah. and it was... Even even when I was playing in the 90s, it was like, I know who... I know all of this stuff, and our games yeah. don't matter. Like... You know, like they they would have the Definitely. little narrative battles from from the um, the narrative battles, right? The set battles, I think, is what they called them. You'd have your set battles from from um, something that happened in it, and you could see if you could change. And they still have these around, where you can see if you change like how the the history happened. But like, obviously, the history didn't happen changed because then this. And so, like, like we do that a little bit here. But narrative is your actual opportunity. Like, look at Chuck Moore, like. Tayrathi is referenced in the goddamn Daughters of Cain book. He has sculpted yeah. the canon of our universe, and I'm like, he got like, sort of like canonized in the Battle yeah. Tome, but nice. like, we all have that opportunity to leave our imprint on this setting. We all do. Every single oh. one of us. It's in the well, memes and, and the language and, we gravitate towards. It's in how we and it's I jump in it. It's what animosity is built around. Yeah, go ahead. What Chuck, what Chuck has done, like this whole time, because these, this is an idea that he's he's been doing, but he was also kind of selling the idea, mm-hmm. it, which was he has his own internal narrative, and it doesn't matter which event he goes to, which I find hard. I I find hard if I'm not in a narrative event, it's like, ah, now I'm gonna change my list because it has to work better in a tournament, you know, and it's not really my character, and he just nah, this is how it's gonna be, and he has like a timeline for Terathi and the Terathian cult. And he explained, like, everything that happens builds into this story no matter what. And I was like, that's bold. And yeah. what Path to Glory now seems to be, let's let's say seems to be, is finally a tool that actually allows you to do that no matter which environment you're playing. And I was like, oh, wow, they actually gave us a tool to do what Chuck has been doing mm-hmm. this whole time. And actually would motivate us a lot more to keep playing those models that are already in the Path to Glory roster 
when we go to a match play event, which I think something is never, I would never have felt that motivation, but now I will. Yeah. yeah. That, that's why I was careful to point out Kabita Kaida, that even back in the 90s, before it was 30 years old, that I still felt that it, the, the setting was stuffy, that like my possibilities were irrelevant. And maybe it was just my naivety and, and youth. I didn't think that I mattered that much, uh, you know, but I, I think Age of Sigmar with like Neo events and I think we need a better common parlance. Is, is I absolutely is, agree is, is, that I, I've been having that, that conversation with Nuno for months now. I, I think I, we need a better. So I, I want to take so that, that's something that the, that the other Neos have been saying. This is a conversation that, that we uh, that we've, we've had with other Neos as well. They've said we need a better lexicon, like a better set of terms that you know we we cement. And I, I this is this is my take on it. We need to spend time cementing terms. Like this needs work on social media, you know, consistency of message, you know, and I'm going to take Alex's hot take and turn it into a lukewarm embrace take. <laughs> I would like, you know, Neo's out there, chat gang, you know, show the pictures of the events you ran and make a sentence. We did this. These were the things we did and why it was different and share it to the corners of the world and do this for like, I don't know, a number of months. In time, this can change because other people don't know it. Other people don't know you've done this. Mm -hmm. Yes, you might have shared it on social media, but that scrolls past super quick. I think it's important to keep showing these things. Mm -hmm. It needs people need need to have a platform to do it. And you know, many people are neos and they ha they do have platforms. But I wonder if a lot of people that actually know them for their hobby were aware of the narrative events that they've ran. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Um. I mean that feels like a great note to to end on. I think. Um, yeah, it's good. Oh, I killed uh, the I was... show. <laughs> no, you didn't kill the show. You you dropped the mic. <laughs> Different man. Like no, this is no. This, there's a mic drop. So I want you to reset a couple of these these websites you you mentioned for people to like dive a little bit more into narrative. Uh, we okay. only went one hour and eight minutes over the time you told me that you guys had for me tonight. So. You know. Yeah, we, I was I was going to bring that up. We've been here for uh, three hours and change now, so, <laughs> so Pro probably time to. No, it was up. a brilliant, brilliant mic drop. A pleasure. Um, so yeah, share share the uh, uh, share the, those links again. Like, where, where can people find? Uh, you, you know, if they're interested in the Great Weave, the you know, where, what are what are all these things? You threw some information at me tonight. I need to reset that. Uh, oh, so I I'd like I'd like to start with animosity. So, uh, Animosity 3, the Prime Dominion, is happening. Uh, it's beginning July 14th. Uh, coalitions on our Discord uh, are opening for registration on July 1st. You can go to animositycampaigns.com uh, to find out more information, including on our uh, front page is the link to join our Discord community uh, and uh, is a page we call the New Player's Guide, which will do exactly what it says on the tin. Um so yeah, I would from there I'd like to hand off to Nuno and the Narrative Event Organizer Network. So um, if you go to wearetheneon.com, uh, the the Narrative Event Organizer Network, it's the the website that exists is essentially a a work of many neos over the years that have contributed articles, rules, everything is there. The evidence of what they've done and and rules packs and pictures and how they created it is all there. So you can go there to find out how you can do it. There's lots of tools. There's lots of links to how to make war scrolls, how to make war cry cards, that generators that are out there in the internet. I just pulled uh, it up and I see this I see this turtle here as a terrain piece and I'm a big fan. 
<laughs> that's realms at war. That's like it, that needs to be shared to to all the corners of the world. What they've done in realms at war, Leviathans, was not even the players knew. They brought monsters and they thought that those were the Leviathans, and then they plunked those things on the table in the last day. You had to fight them. You could, I, I think. Did they kill one? I think they said they managed to kill one. That's fantastic. Uh, it, they're literally terrain pieces, and th that's the thing. It opens. The tables want you dead. <laughs> the tables want you dead. Exactly. Fantastic. So the, we are the neon is kind of. We're trying to kind of turn it into a hub, and, and as a promotion organism, but it's also where you can kind of, if you've never organized it, it tells you how, how to book a venue, uh, how to make advertising for your event. It's essentially a lot of wisdom that has been passed down, not not by me, by all the Neos that have come together, that have organized the coalescence. So that's how many of us got involved. Mm -hmm. We've organized global events that everyone ran at their shop and then submitted the results to the central Neo team. And those were, I think there were three coalescence events. Uh, one of them was a Malai importance event, and that's how I joined. That's how I got connected, uh, because they were featured on the Warhammer community website, and and it kind of changed everything. And a lot of the a lot of the people that we have, um, not a lot of the people, the regular, a lot of the older regulars of Animosity were also uh, coalescence alumni. So people start knowing each other over time. Uh, and there's a there's a hub page that uh, that is still to be finished, uh, where we're going to put a lot of content creators that create narrative and lore and tools to explore the lore of Age of Sigmar on the website. So the Great Weave um, at thegreatweave.com is run is is run by Keegan West, and it's a place where you can put your character lore, your location lore, and all the things you create on your local campaigns in your background, and you can put it there. And other players can interact with it, write stories for it, and you can take other characters and use them in your own stories. There's like a form, a form for you to ask permission, um, and you can contact uh, people through the Discord group. And they're planning on also making global events so that it, it runs on the Discord, also kind of with submissions and people from all over the world. Then you have Narrative Labs, which is a Twitch live streaming of narrative games. Um, that is run by Martin Neil Price, and they're out in Cardiff in Wales. And literally, the chat always wins. You interfere with the battle; they give you options. <laughs> uh, you can vote for the option. You can summon endless spells. You can cause penalties. Uh, so they they've been running nonstop for more than a year now. Multiple campaigns. They also have 40k, and they have like char recurring characters. They've participated in animosity as well. Um, so that that is something that that has been a lot of fun, and all sorts of chaos ensue because now, so now they're actually playing live in person. And I think it's Martin's house. <laughs> he has a whole setup, That's and he funny. has an amazing terrain trove. And let's see, and then you have Dice Sagas, uh, which is a, a YouTube n narrative battle report channel with full voiceover and full. Um, special effects, you see Caradron with guns blazing with the guns with special effects, fully narrated. And if you submit to their uh, Pocket Realm um, location, you can set your own realm there, players can write this kind of stuff, and submit information from their games there, mm -hmm. and they will make videos for your lore. That's rad. So you write lore, and you can send images and pictures and they'll turn it into a narrative video that introduces your character and how they're getting into this pocket realm. Uh, and what's, what's that for one? For sure, they're 
that's uh, Dice Sagas. Right on. Right, go on. Sorry. Of course, you know, the Mortal Realms, which uh, do a, an immense coverage of everything that is lore and, you know, uh, original neo veterans of the yeah. We Are the Neon. I think I saw Aaron pop um, in here earlier. Um, and shout outs to Paul, who's yes. been, been on the show a, a number of times now. I think three or four even. So. I think the I think these are these are the platforms that do narrative the pl- platform slash communities that do narrative. There are more. I'm sure. I'm I'm definitely going to be skewered for forgetting uh, uh, names, but I think these are the the ones that have kind of risen up or existed already. I'm I'm gonna uh, interface with you all after the show to get me some of these these links so that I can leave them in the in the video comments below. Um, I. Again, I don't think narrative and competitive are opposed to each other. I love that you've thrown down the gauntlet that animosity is a competitive narrative event. And, like, come check this out. Um, I mean, even, like, you know, the game in my backyard, uh, Brew City Brawl, Brendan probably doesn't consider his event narrative. But they're talking about making it a 3,000-point event right now, which is kind of stepping outside the purview of, of, of match play. And he had a bingo card last year. For, like, where you would, like, you know, when you killed, if you killed all your opponent's battle line and shouted, take no prisoners or something like that, you got a tournament point. Like, that that kind of stuff is my jam. You know, that sort of outside the game that gives a game a flavor or a personality of its own. That stuff is already what I love about Age of Sigmar. And giving us a better, like, way to experience and, and interface with each other and, and building a better lexicon or vernacular, I think, is just essential. Um not that I have a problem with like talking competition and competitive play and rules. I love that stuff, but I do think we need, it seems like it's really easy to talk about hobby. You say, Hey, this model, where's the light coming from? And you know, like we, we see pictures of the hobby that dominates the game, but quite frankly, like of all the content creators, the ones who dominate Hmm. the most is people who do exclusively hobby stuff. And then the next slice of pie seems to be match play, competitive conversation, but like to get narrative, I think Hmm. on, on equal footing, feels like a noble goal for me so thank you yeah i hope we're trying we're trying to walk somewhere in that direction Uh, you know your 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 hard sell of animosity tonight i'm gonna be looking at uh, x has been on the base for a little bit because uh i need to get some highlights on some stuff there dude you don't need to participate in every turn can just show up once in a while so, and, so, and do a, can, a mission. You don't know me very well, um, but so uh, I, I don't. I, I, I don't. Will, I, will, say was <laughs> I will plug one one more thing, which yeah. is that uh, Doug from Two Plus Tough is going to be doing uh, weekly unfolding narrative uh, reviews. So if nice. you want to just follow along with the story, uh, you can do that on uh, Two Plus Tough's channel. Yeah, yeah. All right. All right. Well, um, yeah. So, uh, you know, thanks for hanging out uh, tonight. Um, thank yeah, you. Yeah, certainly. For, thank for you for having us. For inviting us. Uh, this was a lot of fun. I think th- I dare say this was better than our last rant cast together. Better. Although we, we d- makes better makes for better shows. I find we 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 didn't have we didn't ascend Kai back out of the comments though. So I don't know if it's really if it can really be better. I, like See, learning, he's a the, better learning the learning the ABCs from Kai was really a highlight of my life, <laughs> uh, which is always recharging, right? Um, and, and, and and any conversation with Kai is a highlight of my life. So, all right, he he just has that effect. All right, well, you know what? Uh, thank you both for being on tonight. Um, I've had a blast. Uh, everyone else, check Inc. Check out Animosity campaigns. Uh, please do yourself an honor. Uh, I might not be able to play in, in it, so I need Chat Gang to like be my will and and dominate. Uh, you, you know. you, so that, that they have to give it to us on X's behalf. 
yeah give it they have yeah you have to give it to them on x's behalf uh, well, whatever she, it may be yeah whatever it may be uh chat gang <laughs> you are the show within the show you're the reason i do this thing remember to drink your milk and pay your taxes we'll see you